0: You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Ho, ho,
1: ho! Merry Christmas! What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Kyle Russo and James Montefusco. Boys, welcome. We are in for an action-packed show tonight. Thank you both very much for joining me.
2: No problem, Tom. Happy to be here. Uh, Kyle, you are muted. Uh, Unmute yourself, please. (laughs) Oh, my bad. My bad. Oh, that was my bad. Looks like you get thrown on the naughty list for
0: that. Uh, Listen, I've been on it many a times. It's okay. just another year down.
1: (laughs) So, folks, we have our ugly Christmas sweater-themed show tonight here on Review and Preview. Make sure to check us out on our ticker below. Subscribe to our page on Facebook at Review and Preview Sports, on Instagram at Review and Preview, on the Anchor. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. All sorts of content, some non-show related. Very excited to to talk about that. And very excited to announce that our special guest tonight, Fonz DeFalco, former co-host of Review and Preview, will be joining us at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And, guys, I'm really looking forward to having him back. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk some NFL stuff with him. Really looking forward to it. But – um. We have an action packed show. If listeners tonight want to comment in the stream, make sure to comment. We'll get back to you. Share this podcast with your friends, family. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the show, guys. So let's start. Our first topic of the night is we're going to preview the NBA season, dive into some college football, and then we'll get into NFL. We'll talk about the Ravens with Fons, recap the Giants Browns game, and whatever else comes with that, making our quick picks as well. So, The NBA season tips off tonight, right now. The first game is on their way at approximately 7 p.m. The NBA will play a 72-game regular season this year, eight games shorter or 10 games shorter than a normal season. Uh, Tipping off, it'll be Golden State against Brooklyn, the new and improved Brooklyn Nets. We spoke with Brooklyn Nets beat writer last week, Chris Mulholland from Nets Daily. Make sure to check that out on our page and tonight the nightcap of the opening night doubleheader will be the Los Angeles Clippers against the Los Angeles Lakers battle of Los Angeles featuring Clippers new head coach Tyron Lue and the defending NBA champion LA Lakers led by head coach Frank Vogel, Kyle, James, are you guys excited? It is NBA tip-off. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: I'm very excited. The NBA was able to establish a season. Um, very quickly as they ended off as one of the last sports to finish off their actual 2020 season. So to see them get back on the horse as quickly as possible and have this season go underway right before Christmas time, starting right now, very, very excited. It should be a very, very good season. We saw a lot of moves made in the off season that could potentially change up a lot of the conferences and what we see in the outcome of the end of the season. So I'm very, very excited to see uh, what this season comes and brings. Um, I'm very excited for tonight as well as the Brooklyn Nets will be representing New York in a, in a really positive way as they look to win this season. James, I know you're a Brooklyn guy. Uh, you looking forward to this new
1: Brooklyn Nets team, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, both of these guys finally playing together for the same time. This is kind of what everybody in the tri-state area has been
2: looking for. I'm looking forward to it because we signed Kevin Durant, at, you know, To a big contract. Four year deal. Yeah. Four year deal. I wasn't sure if it was three or four. That's why I wasn't uh, saying anything. But four year deal. He missed his first season due to his injury. Then they were like, is he coming back because they got so much time off due to the COVID thing? Yada, yada, yada. Um, It's nice to see him on the field. I'm not sure if anybody saw it, but him and Steph Curry both hugged it out, shook hands right before. I guess when both teams are on the court warming up, it's good to see. It's nice to see the Nets get representing New York. Um, I'm sure everybody would love to see the Nets and the Knicks represent New York, um, yep. but right now it's just the Nets. But listen, I'm hopeful for this team. It should be a good season.
1: Folks, just a reminder, we are here two hours tonight from seven to 9 PM. And our first comment comes from Andy Hopper from Champaign, Illinois. You guys cute in your sweaters and hats.
0: Uh, Thanks, Kyle. Is, that, is that a is that a one piece you got on? I think I this just noticed here, that a one piece. Yes, this is a onesie. Home watching. Uh so this is so I got. Oh, should I stand up or not? No, I'm not going right. to stand up. Okay, so this is Santa dropping back in the pocket, playing some football right now. If you could see that a little bit. Oh man, I don't know if you can see it here. Let me stand up a little bit. Okay, so this is Santa dropping back in the pocket. I think you can see like right around here. This is my onesie. I don't own an ugly uh, Christmas sweater, so I got the very next best thing, something that I already had, something that I already enjoy. Very comfortable, as I was talking to the crew beforehand. Love this thing. Wish I could wear it more. But now that it's the holiday season, getting festive for the show, I took it out, and I'm loving it. Awesome stuff.
1: Awesome stuff. And actually, my next question is to you. It is about Golden State. I believe they will play on Christmas as well. But this opening game tonight, I got to ask you, how does Clay Thompson's injury – impact Golden State's lineup this year
0: oh it impacts everything you know this if Clay Thompson comes back you know we always talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie you know they come back 75% of what they were and they make it all the way Clay Thompson same thing 75% of himself that's still the most lethal backcourt that the that the NBA has ever seen that 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 was the difference between the Golden State Warriors not only making the playoffs not only being contenders but being a legitimate threat to the tops of the West, like the Clippers, like the Nuggets, like the Lakers, that was the difference. Um, they brought in a guy, I think, the same day that Clay got hurt on draft night. They traded for uh, Kelly Oubre uh, to bring in that offensive scoring. But you're not – you can't replace Clay Thompson. We know this. They know this. You cannot replace what scoring, the threat that he is, probably has the quickest release of all time from the three-point line. You can't replace that. I think it takes them out of the odds to obviously win the championship, make it to the Western Conference Finals, make it to the NBA Finals. It's still going to be a very good team. I think Steph Curry is going to carry them on their bat. I think that he got a very, very good young center in James Wiseman, who was probably the top recruited high school player in basketball. If he played more at Memphis, you probably would have seen a lot more of that instead of the two games that he did play. Uh, Kelly Oubre, like I said, really good player. I think not not only is Clay not playing obviously tonight, but Draymond I think is out as well. So that will be big in this game as a defensive threat. But Draymond coming back as well. You know, if he could regain some of that 2014-2015 Draymond and then Steph bring to the table the three-point option, Golden State will be a team competing in the West. But without Klay Thompson, you know, they're not going to be a finals favorite. And fun fact,
1: guys, Brooklyn has not won an opening night game since 2012. So it's been a while. They they've struggled, and this is their opportunity to finally break that spell. Shout out Chris Milholland uh, for that tweet, getting the uh, recognition there. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter. Great content uh, about those Brooklyn Nets. You know, I've got to ask. And the nightcap tonight, we have the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers. LeBron James, his 18th season into the NBA, and um, you know, I've got to ask you about Mantras Harrell. guys. He switched. He basically just switched locker rooms. He didn't even switch arenas. What should we expect from him in a Lakers uniform? He's probably going to be uh, their sixth or seventh man, but he's probably going to be one of their leading
0: scorers on the team. He's probably their third or fourth best player. I think that he's abs- he's going to play absolutely out of his mind because not only – well, listen, first off, when we all saw this happen, I know when I saw it happen, uh, a little part of me and my fandom for the NBA season died because – this guy's this is a business decision. This is a guy that could have made a hundred million dollars in this offseason. He probably would have been the highest paid player, uh, to come out of this free agency. You know, obviously, besides the max guys in terms of switching teams, he would have been one of the top guys. But it's a business decision. He wants to win a championship, that's why he signed with this Lakers team for two years, 19 million dollars. That's an you're getting Montrezl Harrell for less than 10 million dollars a year. That doesn't happen unless he's willing to take the pay cut to win championships. Now, under the leadership of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you got some other vets on the team as well. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder, a guy who's been around, great player as well as they uh, who they acquired, Wes Matthews, who they acquired, some great talent on that team. Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma mm-hmm. as well. He just signed an extension three years, $40 million. He said the same thing. He wants to learn under LeBron and Anthony Davis and continue to win championships instead of worrying about the money right now. Montrezl Harrell, I I could easily see him being a repeat six-man. I think he is going to be that third option off the bench in terms of leading the team and scoring. The Lakers are scary. Uh, You don't see a team win the NBA Finals and then get better. That doesn't happen. They usually lose pieces, but they stay around the same range. They just got a, a lot better.
1: Yeah, they did. Uh, Speaking of teams getting better, there's been a lot of teams that have gotten better in the offseason. Philadelphia, Phoenix getting Chris Paul, Dallas now with Luka Doncic as a potential MVP candidate this year. Uh, We're looking at a lot of good games on Wednesday night. We got your Miami Heat, Kyle, at the Orlando Magic. Milwaukee at Boston. Milwaukee just signed Giannis to the Supermax extension. Utah at Portland. Excellent Western Conference matchup. Featuring two great guards and then Dallas at Phoenix. This is going to be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, I've got to ask you, Kyle, what do you expect from your Miami Heat this year? And who do you think will be the third scoring option behind Jimmy Butler and Bam and Abaya?
0: That's really tough. That's what do I expect from the Miami Heat first off? I expect them to be in the same spot that they were in last year, not NBA Finals, but in the same range in the Eastern Conference, even with the addition of the Nets. I think that uh, the addition of the Nets, the addition of Kevin Durant and Kyrie being healthy with the Nets being a bigger presence within the Eastern Conference. I think you see them and the Bucs go around the number one, number two seed. I think you see Boston at that number three seed. And I think you see Miami at that four spot. Yeah, with Toronto dropped off. They lost Gasol. They lost Serge Ibaka. They're going to take a hit. Philadelphia, although they did add some nice pieces, they added Doc Rivers, who I think is a very competent head coach, a very accomplished head coach in this league. Obviously a lot better than Brett Brown. I still think that they're missing some pieces and I can't put my, you know, faith and trust in a player in Ben Simmons if you cannot shoot the basketball come year 5. I mean, we'll see what happens there. Indiana as well. I like Indiana a lot, but they never really seem to, you know, they're, they're they're dogs, but they don't really get that far. Yeah. Miami Heat, I expect them to be in the same spot four, five range. Um who's the third scoring option for this team? I think it's the same guy potentially that it was last year in Goran Dragic. I think he averaged around 16 points per game last season. Or just under that, I know Bam had a little over 16. Jimmy averaged a little less than 20. And Guan was a little right behind 16. Another guy, Tyler Hero, that would be another easy grab potentially. Yeah, It's all depending upon the minutes in which he gets and what he develops in his second year as a pro. We saw in his first year, absolutely incredible player. Mm-hmm. We do a redraft. He's easily the number three or number four overall pick. in The 2019 draft instead of number uh, 13, I believe he was, or 14. Mm-hmm. Yep. But Tyler Hero or Goran Dragic, it's really a toss-up at that point in yeah. time. Um, that would be my answer upon who's the third scoring option for the C team. Got it.
2: Yeah,
1: I was going to actually say Tyler Hero's got to be that guy for me, 100%. Yeah. Uh, James, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to guess a number right now, how many mm-hmm. games do you think the New York Knicks win this season? Obviously, new head coach, some new players. They got three rookies on their roster. Who do you think – what what do you think that magical number is? Remember, they're playing 72 games.
2: 72 games. 12. 12. Oh, my Boy. God. I think that
0: would be the worst That's team of brutal. all time. I think that would be the worst team of all time. I don't think a team has been worse than that. Even when Philadelphia was tanking, I don't think they were that bad.
1: No. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If there's a couple of injuries, I could see it. However, hey, what's up, Steve? How's it going? Pumped for the NBA season, Sixers baby, yes. Steve, uh, he chimed in on our show Thursday night on our Giants show, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Got to check out his stuff um, over at the Muddle. Make sure to go check them out on Facebook. They put up some good stuff. Every Sunday morning they they put up some good content talking about football, previewing all the games. So, Steve, thank you very much. Uh, Folks, remember to comment in the live stream if you want to ask us questions. Comment on our Christmas sweaters. We'll get back to you <laughs> ASAP. But, uh, yeah, thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Keep, keep them coming. So what, what, what were we just talking about? I'm sorry. Okay. Number
0: for the Knicks this season in terms of wins. 12 and- is too few. Yeah. 12 is too few. I mean, I'd say in the 20s. I'd say about think, 24. Is it, though? Think about it. The Knicks only won 18 games a couple of years ago. I think they could get 24 because – They had better talent.
1: Mitch is going to be improved. RJ is going to be improved. And look, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I mean, I'm telling you right now. Like, I mean, okay, maybe I'm a closet one, but uh, <laughs> I truthfully think that they're going to win between 20 to 25 games. I, I, I think that's it. They're, they're not a good basketball team, but they are going to be better coached. Kyle, remember this is Tom that's Thibodeau. This is not David Fisdale. So that's, I, mean, I think 24 sure. wins could be, and you never know. They could surprise us. They they could surprise us for sure. And Hank pitches in a comment. The only team I can think of that would be worse is that Nets team from 2010. They went 10 and 72. Yeah. That was before the nightmare trade when they got in KG, Karolenko, Paul Pierce, Jason <laughs> Terry. Yeah, let's uh yeah. Let's not talk about that. Let's, let's not talk that. That was those were dark days in New <laughs> York. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always – I mean, I don't know what it was, but since the Nets have moved to Brooklyn, I've gravitated more towards them. If I had – I mean, I'm a fan of neither, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean more towards Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, I I just think the way their organization is run is better than the Knicks, and it's just frustrating. But anyway, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, unfortunately, lose their 2022 second-round pick. The tampering with Bogdan Bogdanovich – you know, making talks and negotiations with his agent before free agency was officially underway, that really hurt us. We lose a twenty twenty two second round pick. Uh that hurts. Um we have a lot of good teams in the East that have rising stars, so you can't make these types of mistakes. One in particular is Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. And I think I think it's safe to say he's he's the 10th best player in the NBA, in my opinion. I think he's a top 10 player. Uh, he grew two inches <laughs> in the off season and I, I think he's there. I think he's going to keep getting
0: better. What, what do you guys think? I think that, you know, in terms of we look at the, we fast forward five years into the future and we say, who's going to be the face of the NBA. And I think Jason Tatum really makes a strong argument just, you know, from what we've seen over the course of the last three, four years of his career. He's excelled every year. He's never had a slump. He's never had a down year. He's never really even had bad games. He's been the number one option for Boston since the minute he put on that uniform, and he continues to yeah. do so. You saw he just got paid huge money to be their guy for the next five years. Um, like I said, you know, as much as I love my Miami Heat team, you know, I accredited Boston and said they're going to be the third seed in the East because that's how good yep. of a team they've built. Danny Ainge has built that team, and that's how good of a player Jason Tatum is. And I think that's going to continue.
3: Uh,
1: Steve says, hated losing Jimmy but- Buckets. dude is a baller and wants to be the go-to. Something my Sixers don't have right now. Very frustrating.
0: Shouldn't have signed uh, Tobias yeah. instead of Jimmy. He shouldn't have done it. I'm, I love Tobias Harris, Long Island guy. grew up right near my town. But Jimmy Butler is a whole different animal. He's a whole different player.
1: Yeah, they, they lost shooting with him, too. I mean, they yeah. brought in Josh Richardson as kind of like a desperation type of move from your Miami Heat. I mean, that was pretty much the the move that was made. And now, I mean, I think they're better this year. They did a good job getting some shooting in in the offseason with Danny Green and um, the rookie they drafted, Tyrese Maxey. Maxey. Um, And then did they get Leandro Balmaro as well? I think they might have. I have no idea. I don't remember who, but Steve Steve would know. Uh, If they did get Leandro, if you can just confirm that for us. But, uh, yeah, Steve agrees with us 100%. Losing Jimmy was key. Uh, it was it was a tough it was it was a tough uh, tough play to make if you're Philadelphia. I mean, they're right there in the mix, and Joel Embiid has proven that he can be that go to guy at times when you know he's putting in 110 percent effort. And you know, Ben Simmons is kind of just a player that uh, is really he's either really fun to watch or really. Difficult to watch, in my opinion. He, he, can't, he can't shoot, and I don't think he's ever going to develop a jump shot. I is just it, don't think
0: that's his game. Triple-double machine. Night in, night out, but you got to be able to shoot the basketball because when it comes to the playoff time, that, that that's where it counts, is you have to be able to shoot the ball. A
1: guy I want to mention who's familiar to all three of us here who basically grew up, grew up in Brooklyn but played uh, – a good part of his career at the garden is Carmelo Anthony. He came out and said that Damian Lillard is the best teammate he's ever had. Do you agree with that?
0: I think I do. I think I do. Cause I look at who Carmelo has played with. He he's had, he's had a decent crew. I think in his early Denver days, he played with Kenyon Martin jr. He played with Allen Iverson. Then when he came to the Knicks, Mari Stoudemire, Jr. Yeah. Some other guys, obviously I'm forgetting about, but in terms of just, Good guy. Damian Lillard, to me, screams, good guy, want to win now, want to win here. I'm going to stick with this team because that's the type of person I am. We saw right? Damian Lillard is a guy that can get a contract from every other team in the NBA, but he chose to stay in Portland because he said, he even said, if I don't win with Portland, that's okay because I want to finish my career here with this team. He's a win type of player. I think Carmelo, in terms of, you know, we talked about the Knicks when he was still with them. And we said that, and Carmelo was being accused of being not that team type of player, that team-oriented guy. You know, I bring up the fact in the early 2010s, he was supposed to be a part of the Big Three in Miami. And the only reason why he didn't because he wasn't going to get the money. And that's why he wound up signing with the Knicks. That's why that trade from the Nuggets to the Knicks went through because he wasn't going to be a part of that team. He didn't want to take the pay cut. But now towards the latter part of his career, you see that happening where he wants to be team-oriented first, right? And that's the type of guy that Damian Lillard is. He's a team-oriented guy, and you see it on the court. He wants success for every single player on that team and looks to push them. And even Carmelo being the older veteran, you you see that on the court as well. Mm-hmm. With Damian Lillard advocating for him, passing mm-hmm. the ball, hitting him on open books, because he has faith in his teammate. Yeah.
1: James, I can see similarities between those two players for sure. I mean, we pretty much grew up with Carmelo Anthony being the star at the yeah. Garden.
2: There was no other name that stuck out to me more going through probably middle school, high school than Carmelo Anthony. And Jeremy Lin. And Jeremy Lynn. Like, me, yeah, like if you weren't fans of those two, you n- never got talked to. Yeah. they are like, well, I don't trust your sports analysis. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, so either way, th- those were the only two players that I grew up with, you know, that we saw. Next
1: question, uh, our, our next mini-topic here is going, is going to be a difficult one, and James Walsh, uh, it's it's a little too early for that, but you're, you're almost there. It's just Jason a few more start, weeks away, and I, start hope, soon, Walsh. I I hope the Rangers crush them
2: again this we year. we got eight, eight games together. Uh, that's going to be a lot of games. It's going to be yeah. interesting. Sidetrack, but let's move back on to basketball. Luka Doncic,
1: everyone is saying this guy's going to win MVP. At just 21 years of age, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that he isn't the front runner, but, I mean, you're talking about going against the guy who's won back-to-back MVPs and Giannis Antetokounmpo. What could Luka potentially do to outplay Giannis at this point? I mean, I I think we've – I don't think we've seen the best of Giannis. Obviously, we haven't seen the best of Luka, but – these are probably the top two candidates. I think at this point, Harden's kind of fallen off that level a little bit. Is do you think Luca? Do either of you think Luca should be the front runner this year, or it should be Giannis? And Luca's kind of like that underdog, that number two guy that's kind of like trying to pop in there.
0: Hot take: I don't think it's either. I think it's Anthony Davis. LeBron James has been very vocal about what the plan is with Anthony Davis. And LeBron James has said that, you know, he's taking a step back. This is Anthony Davis' team. He, he's passing on the torch. And we saw what that duo can do. Mm-hmm. LeBron James is going to feed Anthony Davis the ball. And I could guarantee you that Anthony Davis is going to average 28-plus points a game, 10-plus rebounds a game. He was already the defensive player of the year last year. I could see him easily repeating that's the type of MVP performance that I think you can see out of him. Again, where I think he gets discredited in this argument is the argument is that he has LeBron as a teammate, and I get that 100% because when you look at Giannis and you look at Luka, it's really them by themselves and then a significant drop-off in terms of talent on the same level. Um, Luka, I get the argument. I think we're going to see that really early because Chris Stapps is not going to be there. So in terms of if he's able to stabilitate this team, to a decent amount of wins because Chris Stapps is going to miss probably the first month and a half. If he if he's able to keep him in that mix around the four or five seed in the Western conference, I think that's really where the argument starts to heat up a little bit. Giannis again, he's another guy where listen, he develops a jump shot. He has the opportunity to be one of the most dynamic yeah. versatile players that the NBA has ever seen. But that's if he does that, you know, if he's the same player that he's been the last two, three seasons, then maybe they're not going to look to give him for a three-peat and they'll look to look elsewhere. Yeah, no, I I agree.
1: I mean, I don't agree with Anthony Davis, but, I mean, I, I could see it happening for sure. I, I kind of want to get to this comment on James Harden, Steve brought up. Where do you guys think he'll end up? Uh, Steve, he's not going anywhere. He He's staying where he is. Uh, there There's no team in the right Way, shape, or form that would take James Harden right now. I, I think he has to stay in Houston. Philadelphia's backed out. Uh, Brooklyn's backed out. I think uh, that nobody. He's not going to Milwaukee.
0: There's no way. You've forgotten about one team that's actually really. Uh, that's hot on the market for him right now. Denver. Don't say Miami. Okay. Denver. Denver. Well, Miami's no. Miami's another team that Denver could use a scorer besides Nikola Jokic. They're the yeah. one team that could yeah. probably use him. I think they have Jamal Murray. Imagine that backcourt. Denver can be a legitimate spot for him to be really, really successful because he has a decent amount of players around him. I've heard the trades would have to include Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr. I'm a big fan of MPJ, but he hasn't solidified himself as a really, really good player in this league yet. So to give up Gary Harris, maybe a couple picks, and Michael Porter Jr., be it James Harden. And on top of the fact, again, the favorites in the West right now, as much as I like Denver, it's not Denver. In order to compete with this Lakers-Clippers team, that's the type of star that you need to really right. get over that hump. That's the that yeah. move you have to make. And
1: Denver lost some pieces. They lost Jeremy Grant. They lost Mason yep. Plumlee. They lost Tory Craig. So yeah. they're going to have to replenish that lineup. And if they have to trade for James Harden to lose more depth, that's going to hurt them as well. It may make their starting rotation better, but – they're going to be relying on an ice paper thin bench, something that the Lakers and Clippers don't have. They have loaded benches yeah. now. So I think that was the issue with the Lakers last year. We didn't like their bench, which is why a lot of us gravitated towards the Clippers if they met in a conference finals, but that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but my last question here before we quickly run through the Christmas day games is Chris Paul is on a new basketball team again. Uh, he's now with the Phoenix Suns in a back core that features Devin Booker. And the front core that features DeAndre Ayton, uh, Mikhail Bridges, Dario Saric. What do you guys think of this team, and what do we expect from Chris Paul in, in Phoenix? I think he's going to be quite all right. I think Booker's numbers are going to go up. I, I think Booker's going to be in that he's going to flirt with that top 10 category too. I mean, he, he, he went off in the bubble. Him and Jamal Murray, like their careers just erupted in the NBA bubble. And right now, I'm really excited – to hear, to see Chris Paul.
0: Yeah. Now, in terms of you know teams that necessarily aren't on the radar, but are under the radar type teams that have significant ceilings, I'd say the two teams are one the Pelicans and and the Suns. The Suns, I think, are going to be one of my low key favorite teams to watch this year and analyze because DeAndre Ayton has developed as a great center in this league, but he, he's an under the radar type of player. He's averaged eighteen and twelve. Nobody knows that because the Suns don't compete. Devin Booker. Since he's been in the league, he has been probably a top five shooting guard in basketball, but nobody knows that because he had no team around him. Now you have Chris Paul. Not only does Chris Paul now spread the floor, but also we could potentially see maybe a lob city and throw up to uh, DeAndre Ayton potentially, getting open shots to Mikhail Bridges, getting open shots to Devin Booker when Devin Booker's been averaging 25 on you know double cover defense. Now he doesn't have to do that. But Chris Paul, at 36 years old, is still one of the best defenders in basketball, yeah. on top of the fact that he plays at the point guard position. What Ricky Rubio brought, he was that defensive mindset point guard, but he can't average, you know, 18, 20 points a game. That's something that Chris Paul can do. So this team is going to be very, very scary. You bring up a good point. Uh, yeah, 8-0 eight,
1: eight, no, in the bubble. It's a shame they, they couldn't get in. The West was just too stacked. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Hey, let's take a look at some of these Christmas Day games. There's 5 of them. We have the Pelicans at the Heat to start, followed by Golden State at Milwaukee, Brooklyn at Boston, Dallas at the Lakers, and then the Clippers at the Nuggets. Uh, which game are you guys most excited
0: for? Personally, I think the Pelicans might upset Miami on Christmas Day. I think they I think they will too. I think they will too. It's going to be probably it's going to be a very, very tough matchup because it's not even that I think as a whole the team is that great, but I just—I don't know that anybody can physically compete with Zion Williamson. The body type that he has, throwing that weight around, even though he doesn't weigh 280 anymore, I think he weighs like 260, but it's all muscle at this point in time. He yeah. lost 20 pounds in the offseason. Yeah. I don't know anybody that can compete with that. I really don't want to see Bam getting pushed around, but I could see Zion having a, having a 25-piece, 30-piece yeah. game. And that's then the bad. rest will come. I was sorry, I was gonna say you got Steven Adams to worry about now too. That's true as well. So that's oh boy, yeah. That's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one. In terms of entertaining games to watch, I think Luca versus LeBron, that's gonna be that's gonna be because Lucas his his comparison was the international LeBron. That's gonna be a game to watch as well that I think is gonna be really entertaining on Christmas Day. We got a lot of good matchups, a lot of good ones. I
1: mean, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I just I mean yeah, you can say that, but I think Luke is a better shooter, hundred percent, ten times. better. Oh, yeah, no, hundred percent better shooter, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, James, is there any game you're looking forward to?
2: Golden State versus the Milwaukee. Your team, Tom, against Golden State. Um, Golden State might have some revival back to them. I don't. We don't know. Um, I want to see how your Bucks react to Giannis getting that big contract. That's true. You know, he got this big payday. Can he deliver? I mean, he's delivered for you guys in plenty of other situations, but can he deliver throughout the season? For me, it depends if Draymond Green plays. I mean, they're without Clay,
1: they're without Draymond. That's a lot of defense that they're missing. I understand yeah. I, I believe they have Andrew Wiggins at the small forward. So they have him, Steph Curry, and then they're they're not gonna have Wiseman either. So Giannis should probably bully and dominate the paint in that game. Yeah. Uh, I don't see um, – I don't see Golden State winning that game unless Steph Curry absolutely tears it up. And yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like
0: 70 points. Okay, you know, yeah. that's, that's a little ridiculous. I was going to say like 35, 40, but 70. Um, I think the problem with that team at that point in time is just going to be James Wiseman. What is James Wiseman? Is James Wiseman going to be you know shelled out as a rookie? against Giannis Kumpo and Giannis is going to yeah. take steps in the lane and just have a field day. I think yeah. that'll be the question. Yeah, no,
1: it's it's a lot. And the last thing we're going to talk about here is um, real quickly, let's make our conference finals and NBA finals predictions. Way too early predictions, of course, but wow. remember, these predictions do carry some weight if you uh, bank in on them towards the end of the season.
0: Oh, boy. Um. uh <laughs> I'm trying to think. I I, I think I got my East. I got my East. I'm trying to think of a West. It's definitely the Lakers, but who are going to play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals? You know what? Give me repeat. Give me Denver. Denver's going to be back. Denver will be back playing the Lakers in the Western Conference. And in the East. Boy, in the East. Okay, it's going to be the Nets. In the East. And then it's going to be Miami. In the East. Tom, I like your Bucs, but... They, they they showed – They can't win the playoffs. Yeah, they proved that.
1: Yeah. Uh, James, oh, I'm sorry. No. Did, did you want to make an NBA Finals prediction as well?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Lakers versus Nets. Lakers versus Nets. And uh, are we doing the actual uh, result of that as well? Uh, You can. Laker – I want to see seven games. Lakers in
2: seven.
1: Cool. James, you're up.
2: Uh, I'm sticking with the East – uh, me and Russo got the same East. Um, West, I would think the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, and then NBA Finals, Lakers, Nets, but I'll take the Nets in 6
1: i I'd love to see that too, James. I, really well. I like it. So for me, my Eastern, Eastern Conference Final is going to be a rematch of last year's semifinal, Miami against Milwaukee. And I know Kyle would love to see that happen and that'll be a fun time on this show. And then I think in the Eastern Confe- uh, the Western Conference Finals, you're going to have the Lakers. And then, I mean, to, to be honest, guys, it's probably going to be the Clippers in my opinion, but don't be surprised if a team like Denver or even Dallas sneaks in there. Um, so with that being said, you know what? Give me – the Clippers. Uh, (laughs) Sorry if I teased anybody there, but um, I I think we're going to have a rematch of last year's NBA finals. I think the Miami heat will be back in the NBA finals, beating out the Bucks to play. To play. And Kyle knows why I'm, I'm doing this. Yes. Uh, the, The L the LA Lakers, but this time the Miami heat are going to win the NBA finals. So on that note, since I just said that, the Heat won't even make the. Playoffs. I know. That's why. I just, I, it. I don't know if you heard it. There's, it's called when it's I make picks, I mean. it's called reverse psychology. If I, I pick Milwaukee to make now. the NBA finals, they won't make
0: it. So it's that's so nice what it you, you could have picked Boston. No, got to attack my team. I'm they a little messed them.
1: up in inside, folks, if you
0: couldn't tell. Um, Boston, Philly. <laughs> oh, got to throw the daggers.
1: No, I mean, look, it very well could be those two teams. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think they both proved it last year. So I, I think that's what's going to happen. Um all right, James. So you'll be back in just a few moments. Kyle and I yes, are gonna talk some college football. Uh Kyle, there are a lot of good games this uh weekend, and I'm looking forward to recapping them. But before that, just a quick reminder, Fonz the Falco will be joining the show at 8 p.m. Baltimore Ravens super fan. And Steve says, Yeah, <laughs> hitting Tom hitting you with the reverse mush. Yeah. Uh, uh, as, as usual, which we'll wait until we get to our NFL picks later. It's going to be so, something really special. Yeah. Um, all right. So real quick, I mean, the Pac-12, we're not going to spend too much time on because that really didn't have much implication. But or Oregon, who wasn't even supposed to be in the Pac-12 title game because Washington backed out, yeah. they were elevated to that spot. They upset number 13 USC, who was undefeated, Thirty-one to twenty-four, and Kyle Slovis had three picks in this game. Did not look impressive. Oregon defensive back Jamal Hill had two of
0: those three picks off of him. What happened to Slovis, man? He wasn't even show up. You know, I was talking about Slovis the last couple of weeks, and if you notice, not only is his turnover uh, turnovers an issue, but go to his running stats. It's absolutely insane. This man, the last four weeks in a row, has had negative. I believe it's the last four weeks in a row four weeks in a row, has had negative rushing yards on every single one of his attempts. This week it was three attempts for negative 27 yards. He kills this team. He's a good passer, a decent passer, made some dumb mistakes in this game, but his running is killing this team. I don't even understand why the coach is letting him run the ball at this point in time.
1: I don't know either, Uh, and all I know is that the Pac-12 is – Probably the, in my opinion, it's the worst of the five, of the power five. Uh, I think they're like the little brother to those other four. I mean, I know the Big 12 had a down year, but the Pac-12 just didn't bring it. Talanoa Hufanga had 12 tackles and a couple of sacks for USC. He's going to be a good NFL player, in my opinion. Uh, We move on to the SEC championship game. Alabama defeated number seven Florida. I don't know how the hell they were number seven after last week. But uh, they beat them 52-46. to Kyle Trask, uh, very nice. Uh, Kyle Trask did uh, a job. Now I'm distracted because we got Rudolph in in, in here. But uh, Kyle Trask against Mac Jones, boys, this was pretty much the one who performed better in this game is more than likely the Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, I predicted last week on my college football show from the stands that Mac Jones was going to be the Heisman winner. In this game, Mac Jones had five touchdown passes, over 400 yards. And I got to tell you something, Najee Harris with five total touchdowns. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, 178 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and then five catches with three receiving touchdowns. Kyle, talk to me about Mac Jones and Najee Harris. These boys went off.
0: Well, Mac Jones had uh, proved to me in this game that he is a. A very, very, very good quarterback and will be drafted this year. You know, obviously we'll see where he goes. But a very, very good quarterback. But Najee Harris, man, absolutely tore up this defense. It seemed like their only assignment in this game had to be stopping this guy. Because Devonta Smith, even though he had a fantastic game, he started heating up in the second half. They gave up four touchdowns to Najee Harris in the first half. And then the man continued to pour it on coming out of halftime. But Kyle Trask as well. Kyle Trask, my goodness, I feel so bad that they lost that LSU game the way they did because this game was absolutely insane the way he was able to carry this team on his back and bring them back to – there was questions at this point in time. Was Mac Jones going to be able to complete the job? He did, but Kyle Trask is a good quarterback.
1: And I don't remember if it was you or if it was Andy Andy Hopper on the show, but uh, somebody was saying how Devontae Smith – could be a dark horse for this Heisman trophy award. And Devontae Smith in this game had 15 catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. He continues to impress again, and he's probably a top five pick in this year's draft. He is absolutely insane. Yeah. The man has freakish hands. He's quick. I mean, he pretty much has the full package of a complete wide receiver. Excellent route runner, too. He's just he's unbelievable. But let's talk about the defense, Will Anderson Jr. and Christian Harris, each had two sacks. Uh, you know, Bama produces NFL talent all across the board. It's not just offense for them. Their defense is elite as well, uh, hence guys on our roster like Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, former safety Landon Collins, Xavier McKinney. I mean, those are Bama guys. They're all over the place in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, they. I mean, they forced Kyle Trask to fumble twice. He lost one of those fumbles. Although Florida's receiving core was very impressive in this game. Kadarius Toney, over 150 yards and a score. Kyle Pitts, who might be the best tight end in college football, five catches, uh, seven catches, 129 yards and a score. Uh, can somebody tell me like, how good Kyle Pitts is? Because I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen a tight end play to this caliber in quite some time. He puts up numbers consistently like a wide receiver week in and week
0: out. He he reminds me of like what people were saying Evan Ingram was supposed to be when he hit the NFL. Like that's what he is in college. He's listed as a tight end because of his size, but has the athletic ability to run extremely fast, run routes like a wide receiver, and has phenomenal hands like wide receiver. This is another guy. You know, I've seen some mock drafts, some write-ups. They listen, this guy's a top five pick as a tight end, which is absolutely insane, but just based on what he brings to the table. It's almost hard to argue what he brings. It's just absolutely incredible. Kyle Pitts is so dynamic. And one of the biggest reasons in that LSU game why they didn't win is because I don't believe Kyle Pitts played. That was a huge factor in their offense, and I don't believe he played in that game. Mm -hmm. But in this game, I mean, he was was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He shows out week in and week out what type of player he is, was a quiet player at Florida the last couple seasons, but really developed – with Kyle Trask into an NFL player, an NFL star, potentially, and a really good player in this year's draft.
1: Um, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves, though. Florida only had 54 rushing yards. They were throwing (laughs) big skin often. Like, they were throwing it out. And Alabama, on the other hand, they had over 600 yards of offense. They just dominated. They rightfully so earned the one seed in the college football playoff. Um Let's get to the Big 12. Number 10 Oklahoma beat number six Iowa State. Uh, in my opinion, the best running back in college football right now, uh, Breeze Hall. Yes, I did say that because uh, there was a big debate earlier in the season between him and Najee Harris. But I, I stuck with Breeze Hall, and you know I went with him, so I got to stay true to it. Two touchdowns in this game for Iowa State. Xavier Hutchinson had 10 receptions. He was big. But quarterback Brock Purdy had three picks. Uh, I did pick Oklahoma to win this game, despite struggling to start the year. They have won the Big 12 four years in a row. I mean, they continue to win the Big 12 title game. Uh, Marvin Mims was fantastic. And overall, I mean, I was pretty pleased with the result. I thought Brees Hall would have ran for some more yards, though.
0: Yeah, I I remember on the sidelines, and I – and Tom, maybe you'll remember this a little better than I will and maybe explain it a little better than I probably will be able to, but the Ohio State coach, I think this was before halftime it happened, was absolutely let's just say pissed. He was pissed because they had drawn Oklahoma off sides and they didn't call it. They didn't call it and I think it would have forced the ball over on downs. And I could be wrong with that, but I remember reading something about it saying that the, whatever. The coach was irate and it was a big call in the game and obviously you see with the final outcome that it winded up being a close game. Um, I'm a big fan of Brees Hall as well. I love Brees Hall. I think he is probably a top three college running back at this point in time. I, I'm still in favor of Najee Harris. Again, he does play for a better program. That offensive line is going to be all NFL pros one day potentially. Um, I'm also a big fan of Travis and, uh, EtN, but Brees Hall proved in this game what type of player he is as well. Yeah. Oklahoma, they fought yeah, him. A little bit. They fought him a little bit as a yeah. as a as a Big Twelve conference that doesn't necessarily have a is not known for their defenses by any stretch of the imagination. They held him to seventy nine yards. That's on twenty three attempts. That's pretty good.
1: It is good. Uh, and the play you're ta- talking about, as far as Matt Campbell, the Iowa State head coach, it was on fourth and two. Uh, there was, I think, there was still about five, six minutes left in the half. They were at Oklahoma's thirty-four. They tried to bait the Sooners to jump offside, and then what happened was the Cyclones didn't. They didn't get the call that they wanted. So Campbell, who his mask wasn't covering his face, just lost his cool and pretty much unleashed like a tirade on the game oh, yeah. officials. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone should have been penalized, I mean, it should have been him for the ang- for the angry explosion going out on oh, yeah. the field. Oh yeah. Uh, that was something else. But um, let's talk about the Big Ten. Uh, we're, we're saving my pretty boys for last, if you <laughs> couldn't tell. Um, Ohio State skates by Northwestern, and a lot of people were saying, oh, well, Northwestern's not going to cover the spread. Uh, they did. Uh, they only lost by 10, 24 to 14. In fact, they had a lead in this game at one point. Ohio State trailed, but they get to the six wins, 6-0. and Justin Fields looked horrendous. Yes. Um, Two picks, no touchdowns, not even 120 passing yards. Trey Sermon was the reason why they won this game. Uh, The running back, you don't even talk about. When I think Ohio State running backs, guys, I think Master Teague. I don't think Trey Sermon. Trey Mm -hmm. Sermon went off 29 carries, 331 yards. Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't know. Uh, just like you said, Tom, when I think of Ohio State running back, I think of Massa Teague, but Trey Sermon, he really he carried. He carried. They would not have won this game without him, and, and it showed. Justin Fields, this was a really, really terrible outing for him, considering that he's not going to get many more opportunities, maybe potentially two games, but probably only one more game yeah. to really show what he's capable of doing at the collegiate level. And this was not good with the um, Big Ten championship on the line. This was not good. It wasn't. I mean, I I thought it should
1: have been a rematch of Ohio State-Indiana, but that couldn't be an option because Northwestern deserved to be there. Guys, uh, James, I mean, Trey Sermon ran like a reindeer out there. No (laughs) no pun intended to you right now. No pun intended. um, No,
2: that's fine. He looks like – he looked like Derrick Henry. I mean, we've seen this in the NFL with, with Derrick Henry, just steamroll over guys and have a day. He had a day. Um Good for him. I mean, good thing he had a day. Otherwise, good morning. Yeah, Ohio State I would say what
1: Yeah, we got a little lag, guys. All right, we're back.
0: No, James was just saying. Oh, you know, good thing he had the day that he did because Ohio State would have come out with the loss, and that would have been horrific. They probably wouldn't even been in the playoffs if they lost that game.
2: That would have yeah.
1: been right. And I mean people will argue they still shouldn't be in the playoffs, but I mean, they technically they did win the conference Northwestern quarterback, Peyton Ramsey did not look great. Had three turnovers, two picks, a lost fumble, but their freshman DB Brandon Joseph, six picks this year had another one in this game. He is absolutely fantastic. Love to watch him play. Let's get to our final game. Uh, the ACC championship game, which turned out to be a dandy. Uh, this was an excellent day. Uh, for Clemson fans. And I was at this place called Cheesecake Factory watching the beginning of the game. What?
0: You say like nobody's ever heard of it.
1: I mean, I I don't go there often. So I had to, um, and like, I was turning my head to watch the game the whole time and Notre Dame was winning. They were up three, nothing. I'm like, Oh, this is great. They picked off Trevor Lawrence and, um, they they couldn't score a touchdown. They were up 3-0, and they couldn't score a touchdown off that turnover off Lawrence. And from that point, I knew Notre Dame was going to lose this game. Yeah. I knew for a fact they were going to lose this game. If you can't turn Trevor Lawrence turnovers into touchdowns, you will not be Clemson. And that turned out to be true. What was the key last time for Clemson that they didn't get done? Stopping Kyron Williams, yeah. right? They had to stop Kyron yeah. Williams, and they couldn't do it. They helped Kyron Williams to 50 yards on the ground. Ian Book was average at best, and then Clemson just went off. Trevor Lawrence had two touchdowns through the air, 90 rushing yards and a score. So we had three total touchdowns. Travis Etienne, 124 yards and a score. Then Amari Rogers went off again. He's been outstanding for them. And then the defense had six sacks on Ian Book. This was an all-around onslaught of the Fighting Irish who – did not fight very well on Saturday. And, in fact, they almost lost their college football playoff hopes from that loss. And, Kyle and James, it wasn't just that Notre Dame lost that bothered me. It was the way that they lost. Like, it, I could live with, like, a 10- to 14-point loss against yeah. Clemson because it's hard to beat yeah. a team twice, you know, especially a team yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, what do you – Kyle, what are your overall thoughts on this
0: game? Because, I mean – this I honestly, mean, this was a big shit show. If we if we um if we rewind back probably about a month ago when they when they met each other for the first time and um not even gonna go to pronounce the last name, DJ was under center and threw for over four hundred yards. Ukulele. You yes, yes, that's called ukulele. <laughs> yes. Um, went under center for the Clemson Tigers, obviously forced an overtime. He was an excellent, excellent, excellent performance by him. But the factor of Trevor Lawrence, again, you don't you don't see it on a stat line. Def- defenses fear him, and you see that in games. They fear him, and that's why they make mistakes. Trevor Lawrence rushing for 90 yards in a football game does not happen. That doesn't happen for have. Trevor Lawrence. He's not that type of player. The most rushing yards he had in the game all season was 41, and Notre Dame allowed him to rush for 90 yards and a touchdown. One was just a huge breakaway run. They didn't even touch him, and he walked into the end zone. And then, again, when we rewind back to uh, the time they met up the first time, another huge factor was, again, not only did Kyron Williams rush for 150 yards and three touchdowns, but Travis Etienne, who was one of the top backs in college, only rushed for 20 yards. And we knew that wasn't going to happen again, and we saw that in this game as well. And what was more impressive was he only had 10 attempts, rushed for 124 yards and a TD in this game as well. That's where Notre Dame faltered, and what they forced Notre Dame to do was make in book beat you, and they couldn't. And they couldn't do that. He couldn't score. He Javon McKinley got
1: shut down, man.
0: He was an efficient passer, but he couldn't. He couldn't get into the end zone, and that was a determining factor.
1: I think the biggest thing, too, guys, was stopping the run because Notre Dame's passing offense they play off the run game. Yeah, and you look at our offensive line: Liam Eichenberg, uh, Aaron Banks, our center, Jarrett Patterson, Tommy Kramer, Robert Han. Hain- Hainsey, the best offensive line in the ACC and arguably the best offensive line in the nation. They, they couldn't establish a run. Yeah, and It was very frightening. Kyron Williams only averaging three and a half yards a carry. That's not going to do it. Uh, Mike Mayer, Ben Skoranek were the leading receivers. Now, not only did Clemson outrush Notre Dame 219th to 44, they dominated in every single category. Mm-hmm. Dominated in passing. But my, my question now is this. Uh, James, you can take this one. Does Trevor Lawrence take Clemson all the way? Because right now, I mean, they're riding Trevor's hot hand, and I think this is a very favorable matchup. And no offense to the committee or anything, they wanted to see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And they knew the only way they were going to get that is if they had them at two and three. Yeah, That's just my opinion. If they put Ohio State at four, they lose. For ratings purposes, they wanted to see Fields – and Lawrence, did Ohio State deserve to be three in the final college football playoff rankings? Probably not, but they did win their conference and Notre Dame didn't. I just have a hard time putting a team that's only played six games and a team that looked very shaky against Indiana, by the way, and Northwestern. Beating Northwestern by ten points and jumping a 10-win team is kind of astonishing to me. But uh do you again back to Trevor Lawrence, what do you think?
2: I think they ride his hot hand only because of what he did against Notre Dame. Also, from him coming back from COVID and kind of blowing you guys out, and had and has had good games prior to that, and going to go to number one overall pick in the NFL draft, whether that be the Jets or Jacksonville. Um, I also think to see Notre Dame drop so low to four, that's just robbery in my opinion. Yes, like Tom The committee wanted a Clemson-Ohio State or Ohio State up higher than where they were to see Notre Dame go down to four just because they lost against Clemson. I don't really see it. I really don't like it because it's like you show too much favoritism, but that's the way the committee is. They also probably want their ratings up considering it's been a complete nightmare with who's in now and, like, who's in the SC, SEC, who's in this yeah. division just, just for the season. Um, I think – but to get back to your point, Tom, they, Clemson rides Trevor Lawrence's hot hand. They're banking on him all the way. There's no way they're not going to. And, I mean, you guys will be shocked when I say this. I only saw the first 20 minutes of the game.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I didn't watch the second through fourth quarter of this football game, and I'm kind of glad I missed it. Yeah, uh, It was very difficult to keep up with the score – But at least Brian Kelly won ACC Coach of the Year for our sake. But I think when you look at these final college football playoff rankings and you got Bama at 11-0, Clemson at 10-1, Ohio State at 6-0, and then Notre Dame at 10-1, Texas A&M was angry, and rightfully so, Jimbo Fisher had a right to be angry because they beat Florida. Their one loss was to Bama. They got blown out by Bama, and that's the reason why they're out, as where Ohio State struggled to beat Northwestern, Indiana. So the thing is, Texas A&M thought they should have been in over Ohio State. What do you guys think about that? Did Texas A&M get the short end of the stick? Because their beef apparently was with the Buckeyes and not the Fighting Irish.
0: I mean, they got the short end of the stick, but when realistically you look at it with Ohio State, the games that were canceled and the games they didn't play, look at the teams that they were going to play. They were going to play Illinois, and I'm sorry, Andy, but they were going to kill them. That's one. They were going to play Maryland, and they were going to kill them as well. Yeah. The only game that they didn't play was Michigan, which that's always uh, a game that's been hyped up. But since – I was confused, the brothers. Jim or John, is it Jim? I think it's Jim. I think it's Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, yes. Since he left yeah. the NFL and started coaching in Michigan, he has never won a big game since being there. He's never beaten Ohio State. He's never beaten Michigan State. He doesn't win big games. He doesn't do it. So I think in that sense, the argument almost banking on the fact that they would have been undefeated this season as well. And, yes, they did play less games. They only would have had nine games under their belt. But, again, should they – they broke a rule, uh, an SEC rule to get them in. I get that. Not an SEC rule, just a college collegiate rule in which they had to play at least uh, six games, I believe, before the Big Ten championship, and they had only played five, and they broke that rule so they could get in. And still compete, but at the end of the day, again, I, I can't blame a team for their COVID struggles because at the end of the day, you're responsible for so many people interacting uh, on a college campus. I mean, we we even saw it with, and I'm not looking to throw anybody on the bus here, but Tom, even with your Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they had like three cases, three three of COVID. They had one yeah. in the beginning of the season that canceled or a later game, then they had another one, then they had another potential one when everybody rushed the field. And we were the only
1: team. We we're the only top five team that played the following week. Yeah. yeah, but we still got eleven games in, despite all all that, which is oh, nuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: It should listen. And, it should be rewarded. I think Texas and Am definitely did get the short end of the stick. There's no doubt. But again, it's like you yeah. said, Tom. Um, it's all about you know prime time television. What the people want to see, and that's sad, and, but it's the reality. And that's why Notre Dame is the four and not the three, in my
1: opinion. When you lose the Clemson the way you you did, you kind of deserve to be four, even if you beat them, because that kind of null avoids that win. Yeah. If you you think about it. So I get what the committee did there. I think they got it right. The best four teams are in. Uh, Notre Dame will play in the Rose Bowl against Alabama for the first time since 1924. They'll be playing in the Rose Bowl game. And then Ohio State will be playing against Clemson. I believe both those games will be happening on New Year's Day, I want to say. So that should be a great way to kick off 2021. And then just a quick update before we bring on our guest, Fonz DeFalco, who will be joining us in just one moment as he is backstage with us now. Uh, UCF playing against BYU tonight. Uh, Zach Wilson will be under center for the Cougars. That should be an interesting game to follow. Zach Wilson is a potential top five ten draft pick this year. And then Liberty. The Flames will be going up against number 12, Coastal Carolina, undefeated, riding that coastal wave who, you know, they had a really good year. They had an outstanding year, C.J. Marable, Grayson McCall. I'm looking forward to these two bowl games. It should be a lot of fun. Anything you guys would like to add on this college football
0: segment? No, I'm really no. looking forward to these matchups, though. I think that, again, in a sense, I think Notre Dame – I don't want to say they that they have a strong chance, but I think it'll be a, a closer game than people are saying. I think Notre Dame is going to come out of this Clemson game and be more prepared. I, I don't see it being that close, but I think they're going to be more prepared than they were against this Clemson. I mean, you know, we got whipped once.
1: Do they cover the 20 and a half point spread? Maybe. I think that's the argument. Uh, straight yeah. up. I think it's going to Bama, but yeah, the, 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 spread to me is more the question, but you never know. It is 2020. Um, and on that note, that's it for college football. We're going to bring up our guest at this time in a very familiar face, Fonz DeFalco. <laughs>
3: What's going okay. on? What's going on, everybody? It's great to be back here. as my second time as a guest appearance on Review and Preview. I've got a little upgrade for you guys can see here. Oh, well, I like it. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to be a big distraction. Let's do the red and honor of somewhat Christmas. It's somewhat of my sweater, but uh, it's kind of ugly, kind of, you know, Simple one, but you know, had to get the Ravens hat today, too. Also, so how are you guys? Good, man. Good, Good. doing great. I, I like the background, by the way. Um, is that the trophy in the middle? I can't really see what's in the middle behind me. Oh, no, this is a skateboard from the Tony Hawk game I got, but uh, oh. up there's Ed Reed, um, signed pitcher, and Wallace and Adrian Peterson. So no, I gotta get my face in here, so I'll just do the.
0: Is that is that a Ben Wallace Cleveland
3: Cavaliers jersey? Yes, yeah, I have the Bulls one, but um, I didn't want that one framed. I like the Cavaliers one framed better. Uh, yeah, my favorite player of all time. You you guys know that, so of yeah. course I had to get one of his yep. jerseys framed. Obviously, get that change. It we're boom, we're good, we're golden now. No fun, um, love the sweater.
1: We're gonna enjoy this next hour. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Mm -hmm. first thing we're going to talk about is obviously we're, we're going to cover the NFL games. Just want to remind everybody our week 15 quick picks winner was Kyle Russo. Again, (laughs) uh, Hans remembers this uh, from last year. And then I was the loser. Um, but, through fifteen weeks, I have hit every single lock. Still, I'm still holding to that, and you're going to hear about it every single week. Uh until <laughs> you brag about
3: it. Go ahead,
1: do it <laughs> up. want to continue to bra- I got to hold on to something, but mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, funds. I know you're. I know you're a Ravens fan, but you're also kind of a closet Bills fan. Yeah, a little bit. A little. So, bit. We're, I mean, realistically, I think everybody kind of is because they're mm-hmm. the only really true New mm-hmm. York football team. Mm-hmm. And on Saturday night, they clinched their first AFC East title since 1995. Um, it's been a while, mm-hmm. and they, the way they did it, they destroyed Denver, 48 to 19. I'm just looking at uh, Josh Allen's performance, and th- this guy's an MVP candidate this year. He's
3: been outstanding. Yeah, no, I agree. MVP that no one you know was really mentioning. I think he got he's got to get some recognition there. And I've said this for a while that. The Bills have talent on the defense. They had good skill positions. But what was the one thing that they needed? And that was a number one, true number one target last year was just Cole Beasley and, and uh, John Brown. And they were successful, but they didn't really have that that real connection there. And when they traded in Stephon Diggs, I said that's going to help them big time. Uh, a true number one form, and that's what it's been. I think he's that third in the league in catches with exactly 100, like top five in yards. I think it's about – I think he's number one in receptions. I think he's, he's number, number he's number. Right, so it might be might be number three in yards then, but still, that's what they needed. They they almost traded for Antonio Brown two years ago, and I thought, wow, that they, they got their guy. But then two years later, they got Stefan Diggs, who won out of Minnesota, was a talented receiver, a great route runner, and that's to him. The Josh Allen connection is incredible. So yeah, they they stepped up big time and. Yeah, shout out to all my friends who are up at college who are Bills fans. You know, yeah, I am. I'll say I'm a closet Bills fan. You know, I uh, I do root for them from uh, time to time. And yeah, Steve does it perfectly. Diggs was the perfect addition to take Allen to the next level. He needed that number one target. Yeah. Helped him out. Cole Beasley's now is a good number two, number three slot guy who's almost close to a thousand yards as well. This offense is really clicking. Defense has always been stellar too. So yeah, definitely going to be rooting for the Bills too. Outside of uh, my Baltimore Ravens, of course. Hundred percent, and you know it's going to be interesting.
1: Uh, down the stretch as we get towards this Ravens Giants game later on in the show. That should be fun to recap. But did you know Cole Beasley has 950 receiving
3: yards? He's 50 yards away from a thousand. Oh he's that close. I thought he was in like the 800, like high seven. No. He's that close. Wow. I didn't realize he was that close to a thousand yards. That's that'd be the first time in his career too. Yeah. Two two thousand yard receivers, that's perfect for the for that offense there and for Buffalo. Yeah. And the guy I really like, too, is Gabriel Davis. He's kind of just came out of nowhere. Gabriel He's Davis stepped up. He was like a, f- a late-round pick for them, too. And At I UCF, right? Central Florida? Yeah. Yeah, another guy. I'm a huge fan of Zach Moss, Utah's yeah. all-time leading rusher. I was a huge fan of him uh, from Utah, all-Pac-12 team. And I thought, like, that's a perfect addition for Buffalo with Devin Singletary. He's been doing well for them, too. They got a good one-two punch and three good receivers because Gabriel Davis has a chance to step up big-time. This time next year, he could be in the country. He's one of the better receivers. Uh, Him and Diggs is a good duo there. 534
1: yards of offense, too. I mean, it's just kind of hits home saying, how far can this team go in the postseason? Because two out of the last three years, they've been in it, and they've been one-and-dones each time. But now it seems that Sean McDermott has this team. They're a little bit more mature than they were the previous year. Their defense is outstanding. These last couple of weeks, they've been great. They're, They're getting healthier, too with um, Edmonds, Milano, Tradavius White, those, those guys. And uh, how far can they go? Because I'll be honest with you, I think right now they're the second-best team in the AFC, and they have potential to knock off Kansas City.
3: I think – oh, man, yeah. So when you really – I mean, Kansas City the team a the team to beat. I mean, their defense is now yeah. stepping up, too. But Buffalo, I think, is a very close second. I The way the seeding is now is – is Buffalo the second seed? I have to – I haven't checked the uh, – there's third? Yes, third. So they second. History. Pittsburgh lost last night, and they beat Pittsburgh. So they're oh. sec- so they're second now. So, you know, I call me crazy. I can definitely see them in the AFC Championship game if they keep playing. If they play like they you know did against Denver, and they continue that hot streak, and everyone stays healthy, which is the big thing. Also, I can definitely see them making an appearance in the AFC Championship game. Now, can they beat the Chiefs? Honestly, I'm I don't think so. I mean, it could be a close game. It could be a potential of a shootout too. Um, but I, Kansas City's defense also is also clicking at the right time, too, because we said at the beginning of the year, the defense is going to be the slacking part, too, especially in the secondary with the corners outside of Tyron Matthew. But I definitely think they can make an AFC Championship appearance. If, of course, everyone stays healthy and everyone like if it clicks all at the right time, especially with Pittsburgh now getting on a little bit of a downfall the last couple of weeks, three straight losses. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Pittsburgh, they lost last night
1: on Monday Night Football uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals. It was Gabe Fleeton actually texted this to me. Gabe didn't pick them in our quick picks, but in his pull with his friends, he won $100 for picking the Cincinnati Bengals mm. and covering the spread as well. The Bengals win 27-17 as the Steelers had won 10 straight against Cincinnati, the biggest upset of Monday night football since 1978.
3: And wow. That's without Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon as the quarterback was Ryan no, not Ryan. Brandon Allen and no, – Ryan Finley. That was Ryan Finley. I, I, They go back and forth I, I get – they both are the same to me. And then Gio Bernard was their running backs too. Can you imagine if they had Burrow and Mixon in there in that game? Yeah. A wider mm-hmm. difference in that score. It's nuts. It's nuts mm-hmm. because Ryan Finley was running options
0: last night. Yeah. Options, guys. Yep. And the options – He's not standing in the pocket, he's running
1: all over the place. Yeah, no, just, he
3: only won 89 passing yards, and again they only let him throw it like 14 times. It just goes to show. I mean, Pittsburgh, I think someone, I don't know, if I look at the comment here. Steve says Steel's showing that they're not as good as that 110 0 star. Yeah, I mean, they had some easy wins uh here and then at the beginning of the season. I mean, they had two against the Ravens, and I'll say like the Ravens could have won at least one of those games. But yeah, those last three losses in a row are really just starting to show that there's some cracks in there that the Pittsburgh needs to work on. It's Port's at the worst time now when you're literally – the postseason is only a few weeks away. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's getting tough there in Pittsburgh. I would start to worry a little bit about them.
2: I think it would help if Juju but doesn't Cincinnati.
3: dance. Yeah, yeah, well, Juju, yeah, that's – I think he I might have to stop doing that. that. He might have to stop doing that. I think now yeah. i get it from uh, – I think it was Von Bell that hit him. I think that's uh, – probably should stop doing that a little
2: bit. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: My biggest question with that, it's, it's so funny because nobody talks about this factor. Antonio Brown did the same thing, and Mike Tomlin has been established as such a, a demeanor and great coach. He didn't stop Antonio Brown, and now you have seen what Juju Smith-Schuster, and nothing has happened. They, they built such a locker room of presence that in an organization with such structure and discipline, and what your player that's supposed to be your star in the last two, three years, whether it's Brown or Schuster, has not been that. I don't know. I just find that astonishing.
3: Yeah, I think with the case with Brown is he was always a consistent 100-yard receiver, 1,000-yard receiver, maybe. Let him you, couldn't argue. you couldn't argue with him. You yeah, then, him do- then Juju yeah. had the one good year for, what was it, like a, over 1,000 yards, whatever, pro bowler. Yeah. And then the last two seasons, fumbles, you know, injuries, and just not showing up in big moments. So that also could be a factor, too. If he was playing like he was in that second year, then they maybe would let it slide. But I think because the play on the field, too, is not helping his case.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's an excellent point. But – um. Another team we need to
1: discuss um, is your Baltimore Ravens. I, I know right. we're going to touch upon them later as well, but they destroyed Jacksonville on
3: Sunday, 40 to 14. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler Huntley got it in the back of four string quarterback.
1: Yeah, that was fun. But Funds. They've won three straight now. They they were five and one. Then I believe they lost a couple in a row. Right? They lost like three or four something. Yeah,
3: it was, it was a bad it was a bad uh, stretch they had to in the middle of the season. They almost lost to Philadelphia too. That was also uh, that could have been uh, that could have been something else too. It would have been a different story. I mean, tell us. I mean, seven pro ballers is great,
1: but what's going on in Baltimore? I mean, I, I kind of made a statement last week, and you know how I am. I'm, I'm always going to state my uh, opinion on things, but I'm kind of concerned about Lamar Jackson and his long-term status as uh an NFL starter because I think the older he gets the more his game is going to have to adapt where he won't be able to withstand all these hits
3: yeah no and I and when you said that I totally agree I could definitely see that being a problem down the line listen it's it's hard to replicate that MVP season he had in the second his second year I wasn't expecting him to have that same season or even greater numbers because I mean That was a historic offense and everything, too. But, you know, part of it could be on the – it's really on the play calling, too. I think they needed to address the – I kept saying – I said I think every show I've been on. The wide receiver section, they needed to kind of work on, too. I like Hollywood Brown. Don't get me wrong. I like the guys like Miles Boykin. I know that's your guy, Tom. uh, Willie Sneed. But they're all now showing that they're number two, three guys, some slot guys. Yeah. They – they needed – I see that comment from Steve, by the way. It was cramps, guys. Don't worry. It was cramps against the Browns. But but back to my point, they – I don't want to get, get to the offseason, but they need to do what the Bills are doing, trade a first-round pick, a second-round pick for a number one receiver or something. Uh, again, if this was like <laughs> – this was 2015 and we got Dez, I'd be so happy about it because that's the top of his game. But, you know, he's good now, but he's not going to be your long-term answer. You need to or at least draft a number one receiver. That's yeah. going to help Lamar Lamar out a lot. I mean, we, with Josh Allen, I'm going to go back to the Bills. We kind of thought like, you know, hey, can he last long in this league of some sort? But now he has a true number one target, and the surrounding offense is going to help him go forward. It's it's a different story now. But, yeah, the, the, there is concerns there for Lamar, but he, he does show up at moments, and there are times of questionable decisions. But, again, I'm not worried about it right now. Maybe, like, this time next year or this time in two years, I might be worried if nothing's coming out of it, but – I would say give it time. Uh, get that, just get some weapons for him, too, on the offense. The running backs are fine. And I know we're going to talk about the running backs later, but the tight end's go with Mark Andrews, but they need to fix up the receiving room. That's got to help. That helps your quarterback. No fault. Do you like Allen Robinson as a potential free agent to bring in? Yeah, he's had rumors of leaving Chicago for a while. I've liked him back when he was in uh, Penn State and Jacksonville. He's just—I think he's going to be a star wide receiver. And then he tore his ACL into Chicago. He's been consistent for Chicago, uh, thousand-yard seasons in his three years there. He wants out of Chicago badly. I don't—I don't, I don't believe that's a mess over there in Chicago. I is does he have another year in his contract, or is he a free agent? Right? He's he's a, a free agent? If we can land in Allen Robinson, that would be huge. For him. So that'd be that'd be the another case of what the Ravens do—they get players that they want something to prove that people are kind of. Quitting out on, and that'd be another example. Bringing out Robinson. and that could definitely help him out. I would, I'd be all for them signing him. That'd be really good.
1: Since we're on the a- on the AFC guys, let's keep going over the AFC games, and we'll actually display the playoff standings below. As you can see, the seven teams. They're uh, funds a team every year. They're always in the mix. Eh, uh, my Arkansas Titans.
3: My Arkansas. <laughs> I will always hate them.
1: But. This time they have ten plus wins for the first time in twelve years. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has elevated his game. Derrick Henry, hundred fifty yards and a, and a score, but despite winning double digits, their defense is not what they were last year. They've right. lost a lot of key pieces. Uh, that linebacker Brown is out for them. They they really miss him. What like and them and then the the Colts winning. Against the Texans, barely uh, surviving that. They have the same record, and I believe they split their matchups this year. Who do you think? Who, who do you? And th- this goes to anybody. Who, who do you think wins the AFC South? Because right now, that's going to determine a potential home game. We could possibly see a four-five matchup. Houston. I'm not sorry. Houston. Not Houston.
0: Uh, Indy. Tennessee. It's. It's so tough because I think it really comes down to this week because these are probably two of the toughest remaining matchups for both of these teams. You have Tennessee playing Green Bay at Lambeau, and Aaron Rodgers is obviously competing for an MVP as well. And then you have Pittsburgh against Indianapolis. Now, Pittsburgh, like we talked about, the wheels have completely fallen off, but is this a game where you can bounce back? Can you bounce back against the number one defense in football? I don't think so. But do I think that Tennessee can beat Green Bay? I'm not sure about that either. This can go down to the Week 17 matchup, depending on if either of these teams come away with a win. Tennessee, Tennessee, I love Tennessee for one of these reasons. Nobody – everybody highlights Derrick Henry rightfully so. But this offense is low-key so good. Like Corey yeah, Davis no, A.J. Brown are ridiculous.
3: Corey is finally stepping up Davis too. He's
0: Davis is stepping, stepping up. up. A.J. Brown, people forget about him because when they think of that draft, they think of his teammate in uh, at Ole Miss, D.K. Metcalf, rightfully so as well. But A.J. Brown and then John O. Smith developing as a star tight end under-the-radar type of tight end as well. And then Ryan Tannehill, the biggest question was, can he be a quarterback? You know, we knew he was a good guy handing the ball off to Derrick Henry. It he came up in clutch moments, but we saw in this past weekend's game, this was the Ryan Tannehill show along with De- Derrick Henry. I think he was responsible for five touchdowns or something like that and rushed the two of them in himself. But, Tom, to come down to this division, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to say Indianapolis because I think they have an easier shot of beating Pittsburgh than Tennessee does of Green Bay. I think that's going to be the determining
3: factor. I would t- I would tend to agree with you on that. That Indianapolis defense is really good. I mean, it's like with Diggs to Buffalo. That DeForest Buckner trade to the Colts just completely revamped that defense. And the one problem I have because I want to talk about this, the Tennessee Lions game. Tennessee won, obviously, Derek Henry, that offense was scoring 46-25, to 25, but – they went seven for twelve on third down the Lions on third down. Seven for twelve on a t- on Tennessee at 10 or 40 They're one of the best teams in the league. And the Lions, no disrespect, they haven't been good all season. Matt Stafford's been struggling. They don't have any receivers. The running backs change every single week. You don't even know who's starting. Seven for twelve for any other team, they would Tennessee would have gotten smoked. If they say if like the Chiefs yeah. went seven for twelve, or even you know, Bills, Ravens, any of those AFC teams. It'd be a completely different story so that's the concern for me when i see that i'm like oh that's a you know really bad detroit team who knows what they can do against these other top teams in the afc so i agree with russo on this i think the colts have a easier chance to win this division and if that happens and i then i think will be Titans will definitely go into the wild card spot and they wouldn't drop out i don't think i don't think Titans will not make the playoffs they're going to make it no matter what but it just comes down to will they get a division title or they're going to be a wild card team
1: and the Colts get the Jaguars in Week 17, just so yeah, everybody knows. However, yeah, they, I mean, it's easy right there. Them. They did lose to them Week One. You forget uh, about that. <laughs> it, it's,
3: it's been three months, so uh, football's so, weird. Football's I've football's said I've said this since I joined Review and Preview a while back. Football's weird. Uh, the weird.
1: weird. But uh, I'll be honest. I don't think it's as obvious as it seems. I still think Tennessee could win this division. There's a chance both teams lose this weekend. Yes. A lot of people, the hot upset pick this week is the Colts over the Steelers. The Steelers have lost three games in a row. I think this could be a get-right game for Pittsburgh. You're coming off an atrocious loss, and when we think coach of the year candidates, the first guy that pops in is Mike Tomlin. So if you're really going to win coach of the year, you have to win a signature game late in the season to get get your team right. James Conner's been out. That's hurt them not trying to make excuses for the team, but Bud Dupree as well is, is lost for the year, so they're not getting him back. That hurts them. So right now, Pittsburgh needs a get-right game, and I very well think it could be this weekend against the Colts if they're – because let's remember something, too. Josh Allen was the quarterback that they faced off against and lost. Um, Alex Smith, obviously Washington's defense kept them around in that game. And then Cincinnati had Ryan Finley. Phillip Rivers is not a mobile quarterback at all. So this could potentially be that mm. not trap game. That's a poor term to use, but this could be a game where it gets a little iffy, gets a little confusing. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I just it feels weird me seeing a team that started at eleven and zero and then they lose four straight. I don't know if I see it. You know, it's not something that I don't think could happen, but will it happen? I think that's another thing. You know, I mean, it's just how teams match up again. I, for also, Cincinnati was long overdue to beat Pittsburgh, let's face it. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, That's true. true. That's true. I, I That's think true. if you're going to go with an upset this week, I probably would go with the Colts. That would be the most obvious upset to pick. And then another game, too, the Miami Dolphins, who have been turning a lot of heads this year. They're 9-5. and five. They beat New England without Devontae Parker, without Miles Gaskin, without Jakeem Grant, without tight end Mike Jasicki. They're looking pretty good. They, they, they beat New England, and they eliminated them from the playoffs. Similar – Field to the first matchup, similar type of score. Uh, This is the first time New England will finish below 500 in 20 years. Tom Brady was a rookie. That's how long (laughs) it's been. It's crazy. What's insane is Salvin Ahmed had 122 yards. I think that's that's how you pronounce it. 122 yards in this game, and Durham Smythe was their leading receiver. Who would know? Golden
3: Thelmer leads them in receiving. At the tight end position, backup tight end, too. Yeah. Just imagine if they had all their guys. Imagine if the Dolphins had legit skill players. What if they had a guy like Allen Robinson and a legit like running back? Because, again, much like with the, um, the line, they switch running backs every single week, it seems like, too. Yeah. They have a lot of draft picks, so they have the Texans pick and a couple other second round picks, too. This is Miami. Miami's a team you should keep an eye on for at least next season, too. Two has been solid so far, but if you can get them some skill players in the offseason next year, Scary team, and they're building a nice young defense over there too. And it, with the uh, Xavier Howard, I think is like my sleeper pick to win defensive player. No one's talking about. Yeah, absolutely Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Brought it up last week, Tom. Uh, we were talking about Xavier Howard, and you know, we were talking
0: about the fact that nobody knows that he leads the NFL in interceptions. And It's not <laughs> a by a mile. He has nine. And then yeah. Miami defense, again, nobody's talking about it. They have twenty straight games with a forced turnover, and you saw that in this game against New England as well. They, they're absolutely incredible. They step on your throats so and they don't lay off. We saw yeah. how they played the Rams earlier in the year as well. They kill you on defense. And as long as the offense just provides a little bit of juice, and we saw that in this game with Savon Ahmed, who has played for them before as their starter when Gaskin got hurt the first time, they step up. This yeah. is a good, well-run-oiled machine that Brian Flores has assembled down in Miami. It's really, really good. That's another surprise AFC team that I think that can make some noise in the playoffs potentially.
1: Especially if they get Pittsburgh in a three six, if they, yeah. but I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't think Miami's getting in. I think Baltimore's getting in.
3: I think, I think mean, it'd be hard for them to get. Him, but I think next year, if we're talking next yeah. year,
1: they'll have a very good shot. To yeah, I think. It. I think Baltimore, and again, I, I, there's a good chance Baltimore wins out, and there's a good chance that. Uh, Miami loses out or could split, you know, they could very well beat Vegas this weekend, but they got Buffalo next weekend and Buffalo. I think True. now with the 17 playoff, the new CBA, if you guys think about it realistically, it's better because now week 17 is actually somewhat exciting where only one team gets a buy and the good teams have to play for that. Now, Yeah, the buy could mean a lot, you know? So I really like the new CBA in that regards. I, at first, everyone's like, why? You know, like, why add a seventh team? But if you think
3: about it, it's actually it's been it helpful. more competitive. I think this, I think this, yeah. they're going to keep it permanent, too. This wasn't just for the COVID season. This is probably for permanent, if I'm not mistaken, too. And I think they should yeah. stick with it no matter what. It's been really good. I think this, I mean, we didn't even see the playoff matchups yet, but I think this has been really good so far, making teams more competitive as you head down to week, week 16 and 17.
1: Speaking of uh, getting that first round by, Kansas City gets a step closer to that. the defeat. The or I think they do have it, Um, they beat the New Orleans Saints in Drew Brees' return. They've won 11 straight games, 32-29, though it was a close game. Patrick Mahomes with three touchdowns. He did fumble twice, losing one of them. Mahomes has been a little iffy the last couple of weeks. He's pretty much uh, played himself out of the MVP. Aaron Rodgers is kind of distancing himself now. In my personal opinion, I think Mahomes is going to have to go off these last two games to have a, a crack at that. Uh, and then Le'Veon Bell gets the start for Clyde edwards helaire He was good in relief, uh, had 62 yards. And then Trey Hendrickson had two sacks for the Saints, was not enough. He's surprisingly he's tied second in the league for sacks. He's been a pleasant surprise for them. Yep. I believe he dyed his hair as well. Uh, that's worked yeah. out well for him. <laughs> and Drew Brees wasn't the best in his return. So let's analyze this game. What do you think about the Saints? What do we think about
0: the Chiefs? The Chiefs, I will never doubt them. I,
3: yeah, you just, I'm
1: never
0: if gonna. You doubt <laughs> them. Yeah. You never going to be stupid. You'll be wrong all the time. But they play these games too close for my comfort. Personally, I think they've won each of these last six games by like a five point, six point margin. And that's a little too close for me. I, Fons brought it up earlier. The defense has now started to assemble themselves as a little more dominant. But that's the bigger question at hand. They now lost Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. With an ankle sprain, we'll see if he comes back for the playoffs, but he's definitely out for the rest of the regular season. What's more impressive is the Saints is that they stayed this competitive one without Michael Thomas. That was huge. And Drew Brees Brees was horrible. He only completed 15 of his passes, and they stayed this close, which is absolutely astonishing against this Kansas City Chiefs team. Again, that's not going to make me doubt them, but it's a little too close for comfort.
2: Drew Brees also, I think, came out in the press conference saying he wasn't 100% to go after the game. I think he said something along those lines. He, he kind of forced himself to play. He kind of yeah. forced himself to
0: play a little too early. Wait, James, it's a week too late for you, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know that. I know. I really said, That's yeah. right, a week ago. Um, Listen, I, I picked him as an upset for in our quick picks. I was hoping Saints would upset Kansas City with Drew Brees back. It was close. But if Michael Thomas was there, I think they would have won that game. So in my two leagues, Fons
1: eliminated me from the playoffs in one league. That Fonz, I don't I don't know if you knew we had a win and in game the last week of the season of yeah. the regular season. Mm-hmm. And you won by like ten points or something. Yeah. Um my other league, I'm in the championship somehow, and I had Kittle and Galladay this year, and uh, somehow just finding ways Logan Thomas was an excellent. But James had Drew Brees and that kind of I kind of screwed him over a little bit. You had Drew Brees and Jimmy
3: G. Now now you know. Wow. Yeah. Fantasy, I mean Fantasy was just a crap shoot, much yeah. like, with, also, much like also games, when so. they put
2: in Hill, they took so many touches away from Kamara that I'm like, well, this doesn't help me because Alvin Kamara doesn't get as many touches.
1: Yeah. But I think Drew Brees, uh, he's probably going to retire after this year. I think he's the first one to go. Out of these old quarterbacks, Brees, Brady, Roethlisberger, Rivers, I know
3: Rodger's coming back. Brady's coming back. I think Breeze is the first one to go. I know Rodger's coming back, but you would put him in that conversation. with like the older quarterbacks, obviously, right? Yeah, I, I would. The only reason why I'm kind of skeptical is because
1: he didn't start to like... Yeah, you know, yeah, that's a good point, too. That, that's a good point, older, too. Even though he's older, I think he has less miles on him.
3: Yeah, he didn't play until like his second, midway, third season, if I'm not mistaken. he didn't, he didn't
0: play for like Three years.
1: Yeah,
3: he's
0: having on Brett, Har- uh, Brett Favre to like 07 or something like that. 08, oh, actually, because
1: Brett, Brett Favre's last pass was an interception to the Giants in the NFC champ. Brett Favre's last pass is a Packer, I should say.
3: So then it's four years then. It, yeah, cause no, 2000, because yeah, 2005, 6, and 7, he only played two games in relief duty. 2008, he was the full time starter. He was drafted
1: in 05, Kyle. Oh, 05. My bad. Yeah. yeah. He, he was kind of like the Lamar Jackson of 2005. Everybody passed on him and
3: I think it was Alex Smith that year, too, like that it draft. Was, it was Alex yeah. Smith. Yeah.
1: That's exactly who it was. Yeah. And then a bunch of other guys who didn't stick around. And Alex Smith was regarded as a bust for a long time. No, Nobody liked him his first few years. He wasn't very good. When
3: he went to Kansas City, they, he turned things around. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, look, I think it's going to be a dogfight
1: between the Saints and the Packers for that one seed in the NFC. I think Green Bay gets it. Uh, I, they have the easiest schedule left, as you guys said, Tennessee and then Chicago. But the divisional game, Trubisky's been playing better. Um, yeah, it's going to be really fun to analyze. Chicago winning a must-win game against Minnesota, really a must-win for both teams. But the Bears somehow these last few weeks, the Bears have now gone from a lifeless offense to scoring 30-plus points in a game. With Trubisky, he continues to win. David Montgomery, 150 rushing yards. Uh, Dalvin Cook was great. Justin Jefferson was great, but the Bears—I don't know what it is—they—they—they—they they, they, they sucked for a good portion of this year.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get the Bears at all. <laughs> Going from Trubisky to Falls back to Trubisky, it's—they're all over the place. Uh, I don't know what, what's their – What is their I don't think there even could. They need a lot to happen if they were considered – or they eliminated, if I'm not mistaken. They're not even –
0: They can still make it as a wild card. They,
3: they, they need, need a lot to go in their favor, yeah. right, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's 7-7. Seven seven. Unlike they got, they got – maybe they got hot high, high at, the, at the wrong time, but, yeah, they need a lot. They need a lot of work on uh, well, work everything. We'll see what happens. I'll be honest with you guys. The Bears could still get in because they have to play –
1: uh, the, the Cardinals, they're probably going to beat the 49ers this weekend, I, I would imagine, because the 49ers are banged up. But the Cardinals have to play the Rams the last week of the season. That is a very difficult game. Regardless of what the Rams did Sunday against the Jets, the, the Rams are pissed off, and uh, you know they're they're not going to play like that again. So the Cardinals have the Rams, and then you look at the Bears. They have the Jaguars this week, and then they, have, they could potentially be in a win-and-in against Green Bay the final week they could that could be a win and in game for them
2: there's no other mathematical this team needs to lose to, for the Bears to get in or is it that simple because I, I don't feel like it's no that it's, simple.
1: it's not that simple so if if the Cardinals win this weekend and the Bears lose they're out but okay. um, if the Bears win and the Cardinals lose there's still a chance and you know the same thing goes for uh same thing goes for Minnesota they're still mathematically alive at six and eight which mm-hmm. they would need the Cardinals to lose out. They would have to win out. And they'd have to beat the Saints on Christmas Day, which is a tall task. In
0: my opinion. A, so, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's been crazy. That NFC North, you had Green Bay took care of Carolina. And you guys heard the news about Kevin Green. That
0: was very
3: unfortunate. Yeah.
0: They're They're old, all time. I think he was the, he's the all time leading sack uh, leader for linebackers, correct? 160
1: sacks yesterday. So. He, was that, and he also played for the Steelers and the and the Rams. And, I mean, my dad was telling me things about him when he used to play. So, you know, that, that was a tough loss. But um, what else? What other games do we got? Um, well, we actually have a comment from Steve. Let's, let's get to that. Something about
3: uh, Carson Wentz. This guy's of an English fan, just so you know. I will say this, Jalen Hurts, I've been a fan of him since his Bama days. That guy, Jalen Hurts is a stud. He is yeah. good. Yeah. He's really good. I know. I I don't know how. I feel like half Eagle fans love Wentz, have him, hate him. Listen, he's, he was struggling. You know, he, he he was all good until he tore his ACL in his MVP season, and things kind of just went downhill for him, right? Yeah, he needed a different spark. He was struggling a lot, getting sacked a lot, but holding the ball on for too long. They had to go with a spark with Jalen Hurts, and it's been working out so far. It's just two games, but I think they. Just- found their guy. I think he's going to be starting for them. Um, this I think next year too. I could definitely hurts being as the regular starter for them. I think the the Wentz era is over. Obviously, he doesn't want to be a backup, so we're going to see what happens with Wentz. My guess, uh shout out to Kevin Fitzmoreus so from JDF, he said like he could definitely see them going to the Colts with Frank Reich to reunite them together. That could be a possibility. Maybe even Pittsburgh. We'll see it depends on what happens with the future of um, of uh, Rothsberger, Big Ben. But yeah, I as for Eagles fans, I'd be happy to have Jalen Hurts. He's been really good for them, and he's going to be there for a while. He's, those two games have been excellent. It's the future of the league now, the mobile quarterback. That's what uh, you need yeah. now with him. Yeah. I think the,
0: the biggest problem with Wentz and it is probably the biggest reason why I can't say that I don't think – Jalen Hurts, I think, will be the starter next year, but it's hard for me to say that as well because of the amount of money that they would have to eat yeah. with Wentz. Like, if they, they, they know, trade him, that's the thing. Hopefully they, they can. can. Even if they trade him. That they would have to give up so much of their draft compensation and potentially players for a team to take him on, and they can't do that for him.
2: And they can't they do that; can't, they, they can't can afford win. to do
1: that. Otherwise, they're three and thirteen for like the next five years because
0: they have no cap that they're
1: screwed. Yeah, yeah they'll financially.
0: One the one for Jalen Hurts if they do that. So it's really a it's a lose lose situation at this point in time. I,
3: mean, I wouldn't trade Jalen Hurts though too. That's the thing because like you yeah,
0: shouldn't even.
1: That that's the problem. I think Roseman really messed up this draft as good as Hertz is. I I, I wouldn't have taken him, especially after paying Wentz all that money. That's nothing against Hertz, yeah. but I think that's the reality of the situation, guys.
3: Pulling the trigger on him earlier, like Steve said, pulling yeah. putting him in earlier so you don't see the ending of Wentz like being all terrible, somewhat to get him of a higher trade value of something. You know, it right. comes down to that. Although I will say this: as impressive as
1: Hertz has been, he did fumble three times on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Murray didn't have a flawless game either, but he did throw for 400 yards. Hopkins was good, 170 yards in the air. I mean, say say what you want about Devontae Adams. And um, who's the other guy? Uh, Michael Thomas. But Hopkins is the best receiver. Oh, easily. Oh, yeah. I
3: used to say Thomas. Yeah. No I doubt. said Thomas for a while until uh, Hopkins had that catch against Buffalo. I'm like, yeah, no, I lied. It's Hopkins. He's the best receiver in the league. I'm not even going to question it anymore.
0: <laughs> he just doesn't draw passes. It's unbelievable. Yeah.
2: And go by, going to Arizona, I think, only has blossomed his career more.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, competent organization, very good young quarterback. That's going to be a duo yeah. for a long time.
3: It makes me want Deshaun Watson to leave Houston too. Oh yeah, it's
0: a lot better too. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple more
1: games I have highlighted here. We want to go over uh, Seattle at Washington. The Seahawks win. They survive Washington twenty to fifteen, clinching a playoff berth, moving into first place. Are the Seahawks with that? Rams lost. Russell Wilson did not look good, only 120 yards through the air. Haskins had two picks. Uh, We don't know if Alex Smith is going to come back, but uh, good for Seattle, I guess, a tough road win. And Washington right now, their quarterback situation is iffy. So I I don't know what to make of this game. I I don't think either team is for real. I think Washington's going to have, it's going to come down to week 17 in the East and I think Seattle's very fraudulent. Uh, you know, we watched the film after the Giants game. Their defense is not good. The
0: defense is not good. And Russell Wilson, it's been like a stigma with him for the last couple of years. He plays so freaking well the first five, six weeks of the season. And then, you know, I, you guys know me. I love Russell Wilson. I take him any day as my quarterback on any team that I root for. But I don't know what it is. These last couple of weeks, letting Russ cook, it doesn't even look like he's turning the freaking stove on. These last couple of weeks, he's not cooking nope. anything. I mean, I get it, Washington has a great front four, but what do you have like 114 passing yards and a pick? I mean, they can't you can't do that. I mean, Dwayne Haskins almost beat you. That it's one thing for Colt McCoy and experience vet, but then to let Dwayne Haskins almost potentially beat you on the last drive. That that would be bad. That would yeah. not be good.
3: Yeah, that's that- it's that – well, not only with Seattle, with uh, with Wilson, but uh, their defense, Seattle's defense. That's also oh, yeah. important, too. Yeah. Uh, they've been, they have been struggling on too. They're no longer the, really the Legion of Boom, and I agree with Tom. Like, in the first couple of weeks of the season, I'm like, you know, Seattle's a chance to make a deep run in the playoffs, but these last couple of weeks, I don't I, – that wouldn't shock me if they just go in the playoffs and lose right away, or depending on who they play, if Wilson steps up in the playoffs. But, I mean, outside of Wilson and Metcalf and Chris Carson when he's healthy – who else you got there? I mean, especially on that defensive side. Bobby Wagner, yes, but that's just one guy. You know, you, just, you don't you don't know what you're going to expect out of the Seattle defense. I
1: I agree. I think Seattle's a one and done team in the playoffs. I think they lose to whoever wins the NFC East. The last two seven win teams to make the playoffs have won a, a playoff game.
3: Yeah, that's so right.
1: The, the winner of the NFC East will be if they're playing if they play Seattle, they will win. I'm telling you I don't like Seattle in, in these playoffs.
3: Yeah, I'm really it's, just, it's a big question right there with that.
1: This this next comment's going to stir up some uh Dwayne Haskins got to stay out of the strip clubs as well.
3: Yeah, you got to be listen, you got to be yeah, listen, I don't do, listen, listen. I'm not I'm I'm not it's it's your life. Do what you got to do. But in these times now, especially in this situation and you're also the starting quarterback now and you already have a lot of controversy to begin with because you haven't been good. Come on, man. You got to you gotta use your brain a little bit. You know, yeah. again, if it wasn't COVID, I'd be like, eh, it's whatever, I don't care. But, like, you got to be smart with these times right now. You know, it's just not the smartest thing you did there. No. Um, Tampa Bay
1: continues to uh, stabilize their stock as a wild-card team, defeating the Falcons 31-27, Brady 7-0 versus Atlanta. Devin White's looked good, guys. Three sacks in this game. Antonio Brown had a touchdown. At Brady-A-B combo, it's scary. And then Leonard Fournette, all these re, uh, these rejects from former teams, Fournette with two scores, they can still win the NFC South if the Saints lose out. Think, I don't think Minnesota's a give-me-game for New Orleans. So no. it's going to be really interesting. if Tent, And, Fons. I think I might have said this on your show on JDF on Sunday – I think I truly think the Bucks have a path to the NFC
3: Championship game. That defense is really, really good. Defense has been very good, very good for them too. And a lot of the the skill guys are now kind of like clicking together now, to, especially with Antonio Brown. Leonard Fournette came in, uh, t- replacing Ronald Jones uh, Jr. Fournette with yeah. like what was it two touchdowns, oh, over fifty yards rushing. Yeah, they're all clicking at the right time. It, it, it's, it's a difference from, like, was a week, two, week, three? We thought, oh, the is Tom Brady's not going to work. It's whatever. I told people, don't do it. I care about everybody. Don't doubt Brady. Don't doubt Brady ever for a while. Yeah. Much like <laughs> the Tampa Bay Chiefs. And it's it's clicking now. I, yeah, I guess this is against the Falcons. But, listen, if they get the right matchup, they have a good shot to even make a deep playoff run in the NFC, especially when you have Tom Brady as your quarterback.
0: What scares me about this Tampa Bay Brady. team is that, again, if – if this isn't Atlanta, they lose this game. Like, Atlanta blew a 17-0 lead after the halftime. I mean, if this is not Atlanta, you lose this game, and that's it. You're you're a wild card team at best, and that's it. I don't know if they're clicking yet. I don't, I don't know if it's just you played Atlanta and that's why you won, or you're actually clicking on all cylinders. I was happy to see Antonio Brown get his first touchdown back in the NFL. But, again, this was Atlanta. And he played Detroit and then end off the season on Atlanta, so – you know, these are teams you're supposed to be dogging on, not winning by the skinning of your teeth. This is That's a little scary for me. I get it, the defensive performance from uh, Tampa, but offense has to be clicking a little bit faster because you can't come back from a deficit like that against a really good team. Yeah, you're right, not at all. Uh, one other game we want to talk about
1: is the Jets at the Rams. The Jets, sadly, getting their first win. Uh, Jet fans, very mixed reaction. From this, And I I want to defend the Jets and their coaching staff a little bit and their players. Guys, uh, when you play in the NFL, regardless of what your contract says, in my opinion, you're on a one-day contract. Uh, If something goes wrong, you could be gone. Like, you don't know if you're going to be there next year, Ben. You're going to build your tape. Uh, Right. You you can't play to lose. I'm sorry. Like, I, I just don't agree with it. But it does suck, James. What does LOL stand for? Laugh out loud. But what does it really stand for?
2: Oh, oh uh head. yes, uh j- 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 Trevor Lawrence. Losing on Lawrence. That's what I Yeah, losing on Lawrence. Like. There we go. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I agree with you, Tom on now. I know I make jokes about saying they play to lose, whatever, but yeah, like so half of those guys in the Jets aren't gonna be there next year. They gotta they gotta look to make it on another team, they gotta build their film. And if they see the people dogging it, if the coaches see them dogging it on plays just to get help another team lose games. It's like that's not the mentality you want on your football team. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think um, they were actually playing. I think these people, I mean, they were actually legit looking to play I me. Mean, Frank Gore said, I'm not going 0 16 this season. Yeah, and uh, if Frank Gore tells you that, it's not going to happen because you've seen him, yeah. like, th- what is he, 37, 38 years old? He's, what he said, yeah, I think it's going to happen. So,
0: I mean, we saw it. it was the, he, he saved the game at the end. He <laughs> played the game, he got that first down.
3: And you're gonna tell Frank Gord, uh, you're gonna tell him off? why'd you do that? No, I'm not gonna say anything to him. You can do whatever you want, Frank. I, yeah. I don't care. You two <laughs> ACL tears in college and you're the third all time leading rusher. Do what you gotta do, man. former Hurricane, yeah, the you yeah. on that one, oh, the, man.
1: The you, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, Frank Gore's not playing for next year, Sam Donald's not playing for next year, they're, they're playing for right now. Yeah. Uh, that's a big thing, but. The last game, and we'll only spend a couple of minutes on this, the Giants and the Browns, Sunday night football. The Browns win 20-6. to They win 10-plus games for the first time since 2007. Baker Mayfield had a day. 292 yards, two touchdowns, although Nick Chubb was contained, 50 yards and a score. Colt McCoy started for the Giants. He was okay. And then Dexter Lawrence had the team's only sack. Uh, In fact, each team only allowed one sack in you know, despite the lackluster offense, I thought the O-line bounced back for the Giants. They only committed two penalties. Those were the only two for the team. And this team is disciplined, but the bottom line is they're just not talented enough, guys. That's the bottom line here. They're not a talented enough
0: team. I I dis- I disagree. I think they got the talent on the, on the running side of the ball. I think they got the talent on the offensive line a little bit. It's been better than it's been in the last five years, so I don't think there's an argument there. And then they have a decent receiving core problem is the QB. And again, Cole McCoy, you knew that he wasn't going to throw the lights out. You know, even though it was a primetime game, he was going to have 350 yards and three touchdowns. We got to do something. And then again, we fought back and forth with this in our uh, group chat conversation. Joe Judge, you know, you never want to be the reason for why your team loses the game. But I'll tell you this. it's the If I'm on the defensive side of the Giants, knowing what we're doing on the defensive side to keep the offense in games, take the points. Please take the points. To do it yeah. not once but twice. I'm trying hey,
3: to figure out that whole thing. <laughs> I was trying to figure out that fake field. I was trying to figure or fake punter field goal. And I don't know what it was at this point. I don't know. What, I don't know what the point was. Because as much as this team
0: can't score a touchdown, as much as that's been the stigma with this team, because they've scored one touchdown, I believe in the past five weeks, which is abysmal. It would have been a twelve twenty game. You would have had to get in the end zone one time, and the momentum, the mindset, would have been completely different than sitting there at what was it twenty to three at that point in time.
2: Uh, something like that. Yeah.
0: You can't, you can't do that. And I get it. You, you're a team that doesn't score often. You don't get into the red zone often. You want to be feisty. You want to go for it, but you got to go for the points, especially when you know it's going to be a dog fight, your defense doing all they can out there. Cause you're losing time and possession. You got to go for the points in which is given to you, especially when you've got Cram Cano as your kicker. He doesn't miss. Well, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there as well,
1: because, It's not so much the, and you know, guys, I'm a firm believer in taking the points, but what annoys me more is the play call rather than going for it. I mean, you're you're, you're five and eight, and Joe Judge said field goals aren't going to win us games, and I mean, I I don't fully agree with that, but I don't fully disagree with it either. For me, I would have taken the points, but I'm more, uh, I'm more critiquing the play call selection here, guys. Riley Dixon is throwing and is airmailing a pass to your starting center who was quadruple covered in the end zone. And Wayne Gallman takes a shotgun draw with eight men in the box on fourth and two when you used Alfred Morris the entire drive. That was Gallman's first carry of the drive on fourth and two. That's what you're going to put up against the Cleveland defense. And then, Kyle, back to my point earlier, I just wanted to address this. Uh, As far as talent goes, Cleveland's more talented than we are with the running game.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But in terms of the receiving core out there, and up until this point, Wayne Gallman had been a decent starting running back in the NFL because he's played a majority of the season for the Giants as the starting running back position. He's yeah. been decent. They, they shut him down early. They had the result to Alfred Morris. We got to get it done in the passing game then, and they just, they just could not do that.
1: James, I want to get your take on this game before we get the funds. What, what, what do you think went wrong for the Giants?
2: Uh, let's see. Should have been moved out of prime time after they got a few confirmed COVID cases. Not going to lie. I mean, how many games could have been in prime time that would have been, that jet game could have been the prime time. Honestly. Kansas
0: City versus the Saints. It was a, <laughs> it could have been a prime, time been prime time
2: game. Um, but whatever. Um, Freddie Kitchens is not a play caller whatsoever. He is the tight end coach, and that's where he belongs. I understand he had to fill in for Garrett. Um, but then you, you honestly should just make Joe Judge that guy for the game. Um, to pass it to your center that was covered now, the Browns must have knew this play call like as soon as it was called. Because who co- who triple covers a center really? Who triple covers a center? I think ball was wide open, that's true. So there, somebody knew something, at least that's my mindset. It was an ugly loss. Their defense is getting gassed. We saw it last game against Arizona. We saw it this week. We're going to see it against the Rams, uh, not the Ravens, because they have a mobile quarterback. The last three games we played a mobile quarterback, we got torched. We're going to up against another one, Fons in your Ravens, which I'm looking forward to Lamar Jackson playing against us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but our defense will not be able to contain them just because we've got torched by mobile quarterbacks and they're exhausted. That's my take.
1: What are you talking about? Because we we pretty much neutralized Russell Wilson. He couldn't do anything against us.
2: Not he's, not as, he's not as mobile as Arizona, as That's um, true. He's Brown. not as mobile
0: as Murray. He's not as mobile. Yeah. They're not going to. Murray's the one that's going to rush for more yards, but Baker Mayfield, you saw in this game, he was impossible to tackle. He can, he
3: can make Baker Mayfield can be mobile when he needed to be.
0: He can scramble as well outside the pocket, and that, right. that's why we only came away with one sack in this game. We're we're, we're giving the defense a free pass here, though. The
1: Browns went were sixty nine percent on third down. The defense couldn't get off the field as bad as the offense
0: was. The Giants had only one drive in the third quarter. Look at time possession. possession. They almost had the ball for 10 more minutes than the Giants did, and that's because the offense can't stay on the field. That's why. Also, the the defense was on the field a lot. I mean, I
1: I see what you're saying. The defense is on the field too much. It's been the storyline all season. Luckily, there is no Odell Beckham storyline in this game, which made the game a lot more fun to watch, in my
2: opinion. (laughs) God. It was, I, it would be look, I, I was more
1: happy to see Olivier Vernon and B.J. Goodson. A little, little less uh, ravishing. But James Bradbury and Evan Ingram, who the hell is that? Named to the Pro Bowl roster for the NFC uh, with one touchdown reception. You yeah. have guys like Robert Tanyan with 10 touchdowns. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson and Evan Ingram are the, are the best tight ends you could get
0: from the NFC this year.
3: Hawkinson, yeah, well, oh, no, Russell. i Let you go with that one. We were just going to say
0: the same exact thing. Hawkinson, we get, but Evan, Ingram. I think can
3: see the, I can see the argument for Hawkinson. I can see the argument for him. Yeah, Ingram. I've, I've told all of you guys this guys before. I think Evan Ingram is one of the most overrated players in the NFL. I don't, I don't like, I don't see like he's hurt every other week, and everyone's like, oh, he's mm-hmm. going to make a big splash in this season. Watch out for him, and he just never does it. So I just, I still hold that. Down that he's going to be the he's the most overrated player in the league right now. I don't want to hear that. Oh well, he is a Pro Bowler. Yeah, but was it 400, 500 yards and one touchdown? Yeah, come on. Has he been playing every game? Hasn't he been hurt to a couple of games here and there?
1: He's actually been really healthy this year. This is the first time for everything. First time
3: for everything. But he hasn't. All right, if he's healthy the whole time, then how come he's not lighting up the scoreboard like everyone's saying? <laughs> like, I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. With I don't Fair get why. Fan vote. fans want
0: to drop passes in it's, the. It's uh, a fifty. It's a 50, it's a
3: fifty. It's a fifty percent vote fan voting now. Thank God it was hundred percent. We'd see like it's a lot, lot of other players making it too. If, <laughs>
1: if I if I'm an average fan and I'm looking at the ballots and you can't vote for George Kittle because he's hurt. Yeah. Uh, if, for me, if I'm torn between Bob Tannen and Evan Ingram, I, and I don't look at analytics, I'm taking Evan Ingram because that that's the more popular name. No, yeah. I mean that's about, the
0: only logistical. It was Rob Gronkowski too. He has five touchdowns, more yardage than Evan Ingram, and he just. I can see the
3: argument out. for Gronk. I mean, talkinson I would say he'd be probably in the NFC to represent the NFC. New, New York bias, more populated. Yeah, there. I mean, because I'm thinking of the other tight ends yeah. in the NFC. Yeah, go Gronk. Uh, Logan. Thomas Logan Thomas, that's another one too. Like I it just Dallas I can, Goddard. That's four right there. Mm-hmm. We can name that are better off. <laughs> I mean, do you put Hill as a tight end? Do you put him as a quarterback? Do you put him know, as a? I, mean, I don't, I don't, I'm I Hill. I'm done with Taysom Hill, with this gadget guy. I'm done. I don't want to hear him anymore either, James. Please, don't mention him again. Okay. Speaking
1: of, <laughs> <speaking> of, <laughs> of dual threat quarterbacks, Fonz, let's move into this preview with the Giants Ravens. But which, by the way, I do think Blake Martinez th- did get snubbed from the Pro Bowl again. Uh Still has yet to make one, I, I believe. And just lead, or what does he have to do? Lead the league in tackles every single year? Uh, it's kind He's of
3: leaving, every, leaving everything, and he may or may not make it, though, too, at that
1: point. It's pathetic. Uh, <laughs> the Giants won the last meeting in 2016. That was the Ben McAdoof year that we won 11 and 5. Uh, Font, how are you feeling about Baltimore's chances that you've won a few games in a row now in week 16? Playoff hopes are on the line. And Yep. yeah.
3: I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling confident. I'm, I still am. Uh, we've had a couple of good weeks. granted there are against like you know Jackson Jaguars and their blowout wins and whatnot. But this is I've said this before. We got the lighter part of the schedule now with the Giants and the Bengals. The last two games that's going to help us out a lot. I'm very confident in this game. I uh, you know we are there's some problems here. I said before like the wide receiver. Sometimes the defense can be a little bit whatever. Marcus Peters can blow some coverage here and it looks like burnt toast from time to time. But you know. We get hot at the right times, hot at the right moments, and I think we're gonna have a, a good game against the, the Giants. I don't I don't wanna go into score prediction right now, but I'm very confident in this game. I'm very confident in this game. Yeah, I mean it it, it looked like a winnable game for us a
1: few weeks ago, but but now it sure doesn't. I mean, a few weeks ago, you can make that argument because Baltimore was not playing well.
3: Yeah, I'm saying now I'm not confident now because of for the last life. couple weeks
1: of the season. <laughs> this is my problem with this game, funds, and this is really the only argument I have against Baltimore because uh, I think Baltimore is going to win the game, but... You look at the running offense. The running offense is ranked first in the league, but the Giants have the sixth ranked run defense. That's their strength. And then the Ravens have the worst, second worst passing offense in the NFL. Um, So it's kind of the offense is kind of like a tale of two takes. You have Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, who have six touchdowns each, each, but this passing offense scares me. I I mean, I'm sorry, this passing offense doesn't scare me outside of Mark Andrews.
3: Yeah, and that, that's the problem I've had with them for, for, for a while. Now, dating back to even the end of last season, too, against the Titans, I said they needed to get a, a, a legit wide receiver option. Even even now with the running situation now, uh, we got J.K. Dobbins. We didn't need him because we had Edwards and, and Ingram, but Dobbins has stepped up now. Ingram's now taking more of a lesser role now, and he's been very okay with it, Like you know, showing the nice leadership and helping the young guys in Edwards and Dobbins. But Ingram's still in the backfield, too, from time to time. That rushing offense is is – very good, and I think when it comes to the, the cold weather playoff time, it's going to help us, but you know, sometimes in the big moments, you do need that, once like they're in the long, you do need that offense, that, uh, that passing offense, and it did show up a little bit against Cleveland a few weeks ago with the, that throw to Marquise Brown that tournament the tail end of the game. That was good. I was like, wow, finally, it could, we finally we finally that's what I've been waiting for for a long time, but hopefully we can see that on a consistent basis, but listen, we've had a consistent running attack, and I'm okay with it, but it's just that, again, I keep going back to it because just that passing offers some very, I'm worried about it, too. And the Giants don't have a pass rush though. I mean, we might get Kyler
1: Fackrell back this week, but right now our best edge rusher is probably—I don't even know if you say Jabal Sheard. It might be Carter Coughlin. Honestly, that's how bad it is, Kyle. Uh, James, it's just not. It's it's. it's Is Leonard
3: Williams in more inside? Is he an inside? Yeah. Or is he? Yeah,
1: he's more of an interior guy, but he's the team in sacks somehow. Yeah, he leads the team in sacks. He's six, uh, no, eight 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 and a half sacks. Eight and a half. Eight and a half sacks. So he's pretty much our pass rusher. Hollywood Brown hasn't planned out this year.
3: I thought last year because I'm like, you know, I listen his rookie season. It's going to be tough, whatever. I thought he'd take a nice step forward. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Steve. He hasn't panned out. Uh, I'll give him another year, and if it doesn't work, then maybe you got to move him to the – I think you got to move him to the 2-3 regardless in the slot role, but he can't be your number one guy. He really can't. No. I think the biggest
0: problem with the Giants is, again, we, we see this offensive line. I think it's established itself very well. But this defensive front, this whole defense is like no other. They, they they have Hall of Famers on it, they have Pro Bowlers on it. Fonz, you know this better than I do, but I know that um, Marcus Peters
3: didn't play last week, but is he gonna play this week against the Giants? Um it it looks like he is playing. It looks like I don't I didn't hear anything rumblings of um that he wasn't going to. I might double check that, but it looks yeah, like he's gonna he, play.
0: Then you, have the tandem of, then you have the best tandem of cornerbacks on a team that can't necessarily efficiently pass the football. It's just gonna be And him. Jimmy Smith too. Don't forget about him. And, Jimmy, it's going to be so hard for this Giants offense to get anything going offensively in terms of running the football. I, Wayne Gallman looked terrible last week. I don't know how he gets better against this Baltimore defensive front. Um, the passing game, I mean, neither one of the quarterbacks, whether it's Daniel Jones or or Colt McCoy, is going to kill you in the passing game, and they just they can't get in the end zone. So I don't see any which way in how this game is going to be competitive. It might be close in the first quarter because the defense will come out strong, I think. But like James said, you know, come that mid-second, third, fourth quarter, they're going to get gassed again, and that'll be it.
1: Fonz, this is what separates Baltimore from the from the Giants, in my opinion. I think Kyle and James can back me up on this. In this game, Kyle and James, what's been an ongoing trend for like the past 20 years about our defense? We can't cover tight ends, right? Oh, Look yeah. at two weeks ago, Dan Arnold scores a touchdown. Well, who the hell is Dan Arnold? Yeah, <laughs> Austin Hooper scored a touchdown against us, a guy who was having – a down a down year for a you know a prized free agent for Cleveland. He scored a touchdown against us. Richard Rodgers was the leading receiver in both the Philadelphia games. He's their third string tight end. So right there, that tells me Mark Andrews is going to have a big game, Fonza. If you have him in fantasy, I, I recommend starting him. But uh, then that that goes for anybody. He's going to have one heck of a week. He's going to get a touchdown. No, well, he's,
3: you know, he's okay. going to have. A, he's going to have a game that's probably going to be. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being the leading receiver this week, or maybe could be Brown if he gets the one breakaway speed against. Him. I mean, Bradbury's going to lock him up. Who's been obviously an underrated corner. I'll give you guys that. Bradbury's been very underrated, very solid for you guys. He might give uh, Hollywood Brown a couple of problems here, but it wouldn't shock me if Andrews does lead the the game in receiving yards and maybe grab a touchdown. Yeah, and this Baltimore defense too.
1: It looks great. Uh, Don Martindale, he's done a phenomenal job. nine-time yeah. defense in the league. Uh, I mean, he has guys that execute his schemes really, really well. Matt Judon, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe. I know Campbell's been banged up this year.
3: Yeah, he's banged up a little bit here and there. But when he when he's on the field, he's been very he's been very good for them too. And you talked about Matthew Judon. It's going to be interesting because it is it, he's on the franchise tag, and he just got announced to the Pro Bowl again for the second year in a row. Again, another Raven they found in like the fifth round from Grand Valley State become a consistent pass rusher for them. We got to find a way to extend him long term. Yeah, Russo shakes his head. He's like, "How yeah, the hell? do you? and Ozzie Newsome and Eric. Well, Costner. there's another one too. There's another one. So I got to mention to you, Orlando Brown. Remember yeah. he remember he was a first round ra- a first round ranked guy. Yeah. Had a horrible combine, dropped to the third round. They were like, "You hey, know, let's just take a gamble on him." And now look at him. He's for on the premier now, well, now left tackle. And that's going to be another problem, too, because we oh, signed yeah. Ronnie Stanley for a long-term. Brown's been playing so good at left tackle that he might want more money as a left tackle somewhere. So we got to find a way to, like, block <laughs> him long-term. But With another-
0: those guys Ron's running the ship, I wouldn't worry too much. They, yeah,
3: hopefully, yeah, right. But he might get a big payday somewhere else to be a left tackle. Right. But Back to Judon, I mean, it's a contract year for him. So he's going to be paying. He's going to be balling out, too. He's going to have a, probably another great game, too, because he – he had a game against good game against Cleveland, a game against Jacksonville, which the Jacksonville game he ended up leading to safety to start the game. So, yeah, they've been very good. Defense has been good. There's a couple of hiccups here and there, especially I go back to Marcus Peters because he just has blown coverages from time to time. But outside of that, the defense has been very good this season. Very good. Talk to me about
1: or talk to us about Patrick Graham, rookie uh, Patrick Queen. Sorry, no, sorry. wrong yeah. side of the football, rookie linebacker and the secondary. I mean. You mentioned Marcus Peters, who did get fined for spitting on Jarvis Landry. Which, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a whole – I mean, yeah, that's, that's something you can't do. But, I mean, Patrick Queen, he was supposed to be a higher-ranked pick, but, like, no one was going to take a linebacker. The leading captain for the LSU defense comes into right away with Baltimore. Man, the middle starter from day one has been incredible. And has been very, very good for that defense. It's probably going to be there for a long time. Again, like Ray Lewis, C.J. Mosley, and now Patrick Queen. Not – again, we'll see. We'll see what happens, though, but he's been on the right track so far. Firstly, should have made the Pro Bowl, in my opinion. Should have been the Pro Bowl in the middle, but it's – you know what? It's fine. I can't make an excuse now that maybe he could be an injury replacement because it is a, it is a virtual game this year. But, <laughs> yeah, well, Patrick Queen has been very incredible. As a bright future for Baltimore. And the secondary, too. Mullen Humphrey has been good. Another, another great year for him, too. Uh, the secondary, when they let go of Earl Thomas, I was worried. Like, but you know what? They have Chuck Clark, who's been good for them too, and Deshaun Elliott, um, who's had his moments here and there. Um, they're both him and Clark are young guys, so they're going to develop more and more. And Humphrey's also a young guy too. But they have a lot of combination of veterans with Campbell and Judon and whatnot, and a lot of young guys too, and like Clark and Elliott. And it's a very—it's a good combination that's been working so far. I agree. I mean, I think Martindale's done a fantastic
1: job. Marlon Humphrey too. I mean, I, Peters and Humphrey. Are really similar types of players. They both punch the football out. I think Marlon yeah. Humphrey has eight forced fumbles this year.
3: I think he leads, leads at least all cornerbacks or secondary players in forced fumbles.
1: It's wild. I, I don't know how you do that from the cornerback position. I know Logan Ryan has about half of that. He's really good at that too. But
3: he should have been a Pro Bowler too. <laughs> he should have made yeah, the Pro yeah. Bowl too. I, I, anybody over Evan Ingram at this point? I just I, Yeah.
1: Yeah will. But there's so many guys you could argue. That's funny you brought that up. I forgot
3: that it's virtual. That's good. Do you know how they're going to – like what's the setup? They're playing, gonna so They're going to be playing a game of Madden. That's what it is, like during the week, oh, like God. different like Madden events. So, I mean, it's it's fine. I, I personally like to watch the because It's kind of fun seeing all these stars playing in one game. But you know what? Obviously, the situation, you got to work with what you got to work with. So, yeah, uh, and I had to double check, by the way, with – um you said – Uh, Blake Martinez should have made it. I mean, so there'll be a replacement. The replacement, the linebackers are Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner. Bobby Wagner's obviously going to be a lock every year. I mean, you could have judged for Fred Warner to replace him because Warner's been a little bit up and down this season. So I I had to double check. I'm like, who did, who were the inside linebackers for uh, the NFC then if Martinez didn't make it? I thought he was had a good shot to make it. Yeah. Um, Do we see Lamar finally win a playoff game this year if they get in? Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. It really, it really, it's the next step. Uh, it, it has to happen. It has to happen this year. If he makes it, it has to happen. It really, I, so if the players ended, oh, God, it really depends on who they play to. I mean, that's that's the point. It's going to be hard for the Steelers to beat us three times. <laughs> I'm really, Listen, if it's the Steelers, they're playing the way they are now, I can definitely see it. But oh, my God. If they don't make it, fine. We'll wait till next year. But if they make it, He's got to win a playoff game. I don't care if he can't. You don't have to go away to the Super Bowl and win it, but you got to at least win one playoff game. I, at this point, I'll take it. I'll take the playoffs. I don't want to hear from everybody being like, oh, Lamar's not like he's a fraud, he's whatever. But God, it's gonna be it's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be depending on who that first round matchup is too. If it's likely gonna be the it's gonna be most likely the Steelers, though. If because um, if they get the seventh seed or whatnot, too. Or but. Buffalo. Oh God! If it's be Buffalo, that's gonna be even that's gonna be a pain too. But that's who you'll you'll probably get,
1: realistically speaking. Oh man! Although I will say this: if the Colts split, and you went out, you'd both be eleven and five. I'm pretty sure. Would you have the tiebreaker over them? I, I don't think know we, how that works. I, I you
0: know, Baltimore did. Baltimore beat yeah. Baltimore beat Indianapolis. So I yeah, think so, so
1: you'd yeah. be the sixth seed if you went out, and, and Indy splits, which could happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could happen. I the matchup. It's if, a, it's a, it's, a, it's a question though. We got to see this time. In a couple of weeks, we'll see. I, I'm I'm still confident if they win one playoff game, I'll be happy. Especially because I want to hear from the Lamar critics that like, oh, we can't do it. He can't do it. I just need one more butt off to hear the critics. It's, so you probably want to see Pittsburgh in the first round. That's what I would want to see Pittsburgh in the first round. That's what okay. I want to say. I think we have a good chance to beat them, too. And it's a, it's a hard to beat a team three times in the same season in the span of, like, two months. I feel like they play each other, like, every other week, too. Just, yeah. just throwing that out there. Yeah. Out there.
1: Yeah. Um, are there any players on the Giants this, this week that you're like, that's definitely a player? to. I know we've talked about multiple, several, mm-hmm. but... Obviously, Daniel Jones is questionable. Mm-hmm. Darnay Holmes is out, which is huge for us.
3: Uh, yeah, I, if we're, for, are you asking me like what players yeah. that I'm going to be looking? So, I mean, obviously, I'm going to say James Bradbury. Um, I think he steps as a really great corner. I think he's going to lock down Khalil uh, Brown or whoever is um, on the side. I don't know if he does he stay on one side of the field? Or does he go from whoever follows the number? Does he always follow the number one?
1: Bradbury no, no. doesn't
3: travel. He doesn't travel. So, I mean, so whoever on that side of the field, he'll lock them up. I think, and when we we'll go with the offense. I've told you this, Tom. I'm a big fan of Darius Slayton. I think I think he could also have a he could also have a decent game too. Um depending on if he can uh go past the uh, Humphrey and maybe Peter Stuff a a blown coverage here and there it could happen, but I'd say that's a guy I would keep an eye on too. Slayton for the for the offense and obviously Bradbury for the defense. Those would be my two guys. If we can just get him the ball, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've told you, Tom, I'm a fan of Slayton. I am a huge fan of him. Yeah. No, I agree. We do have one last question for you. Um,
1: next NFL jersey you plan on getting? We know you're a big jersey oh, guy. Big yes. Jersey yes. Or best. So, yeah, jersey if any, but yeah, NFL jersey.
3: So I did, I actually did this the other day. I looked at like teams that I don't have yet. And I don't have, I mean, I don't have a Jaguars one. I don't have a Washington football team one. Um, I do not have Eagles one. There's a couple more. I do have an old Rams one it doesn't really fit me anymore, so we'll we'll, we'll we'll let it slide at least. Um, God, my next jersey. My last one I got was a Marlon Humphrey one. So if I'm going to go with the next Ravens one, I probably would end up going with a Patrick Queen. That'd be my next one. I'm going to wait for Hollywood Brown. I want to step up a little bit more before I even consider going and purchase there. Non-Ravens, I probably would go with Jalen Hurts for the Eagles. If he plays the rest of the year and balls sure. out, I would go for Jalen Hurts. I was going to say you said Jackson. I'm like, get yourself a Fred Taylor or wait till the draft. Oh, if friend. you want to go old school, that's a different story. Because I'll go yeah. Maurice Jones-Drew for the Jaguars. If we're going old school, it's got to be that too. But yeah, no, I'd probably if Jalen Hurts. That's my next jersey purchase. Get like the the white one or the or the black one too. I don't like the Ooh. green that much, but I mean that's he's been incredible. That's my next purchase. Probably Jalen Hurts or Patrick Queen. I'm surprised you didn't say Josh Allen. Hmm, I could. No, I, I do. Him. I do need a Buffalo one. My only Buffalo ones is Tyrod Taylor and Fred Jackson. So oh, yeah. I actually know I do have a C.J. Spiller one. Actually, I think C.J. Oh, too. Ooh, maybe I do. No, I would. So, you know, I, I I, if I do a Bills, I like, would go. Tre'Davious White. I love Tre. Yeah, I go Trey yeah. White. I would say, or like Micah Hyde. Like their secondary is so good. I would. Yeah. Called, yeah or, or, uh, then, I'll, I'll be up there too. I'll be up there. I, I remember you're there. a you're a defensive guy. That nah, defense first. Defense wins used to, championships. You just play there. linebacker, right? Yeah. Oh god. Back in the old days. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. Um. Defense wins championships. Tom, remember that. Remember.
1: Very right. true. Um. Last thing. Let's all pick a game of the week coming up for week sixteen.
3: Oh. Cool. Ooh. Biggest
1: game to watch for
3: this week. Who wants <sighs> to start? Do you want to start? Uh, let me let me let me go last. I got to double. Let me double check this one because I don't want to say. I, I can't say Ravens Giants because you know that, that's that's a little bit, whatever. But I'll let you yeah. guys go.
2: I will take uh the Raiders over Miami. Okay. Nice,
3: nice, I very
2: Kyle, nice. That ain't a bad
3: one actually. That ain't bad. That ain't that bad. Kyle. Drew, oh yeah, Russo. Go. I'll go to you, Tom.
0: It, it pains me to say this, but the, this division is so messed up that it could be that entertaining. Philly versus Dallas. <laughs>
3: That's <laughs> That's high. High. I was thinking that, too. That tie, it's so important. That and, re- I, thank you. Thank that you. High that tie is low. the most important tie in NFL history. so important.
0: <laughs> I, I think that could be an excellent game. Um,
1: so... I'm torn between two right now, actually three, but, um, I think Indy Pittsburgh is going to be very appetizing. I think that's going to be fun to watch to see like what type of Pittsburgh team shows up. Cause if, you know, this Pittsburgh team shows up like the 11 and three team now that they are, I mean, I think this could be a very entertaining game, old school type of game. Um, that's gonna be my pick because this also could prove we're in these stands within like yeah. the playoff race too. Like if they're gonna be a division winning team or if they're gonna be a wild card team. Because remember, Tennessee is Green Bay, so that's yeah. you know a tough game yeah. for them.
3: So mine, I probably will end up going with a Sunday night matchup with Tennessee at Green Bay uh, because I want to see how Rodgers goes against that horrible Tennessee defense and how many passing yards and touchdowns he'll throw, and I want to see how. The defense of like Preston Smith, Darius Smith, Jair Alexander. Uh, how can they go up against? Can they stop Ryan Tannehill? Can the the Smith "quote unquote" brothers, who aren't actually brothers, get to the quarterback? And can they stop Derrick Henry? I mean, they Green Bay's been we've been saying like for a while like they, their defense is and eh, they're always in a high powered offense, but their defense has been been really solid for them so far. So that, I would that Sunday night matchup is going to be really fun to watch. I would say. Yeah.
0: yeah. Kevin King and Jair Alexander
3: all underrated him. Yeah. Well, Fonz, it's been a great time. Is there anything you'd like to add before we let you go? Uh, well, go Ravens, obviously, is the main thing i got to say. As <laughs> here, I hope everyone has a good holiday. Um, you guys, thank you so much for, for letting me join here. I When I saw when the Giants were playing the Ravens, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to make an appearance here. I knew it was going to be a matter of time for <laughs> I had to circle, my, uh, circle the calendar and be like, yeah, i got to be free that night. Sorry, I can't do anything. But, yeah, no, th- um, thank you guys for having me. I see you guys doing great stuff uh, with a lot of other shows you've been adding on. You're getting a lot of guests. Uh, I've been watching a lot of your guys' stuff. It's been incredible. Uh, it's great to see you guys doing your thing. I'm proud of all of you. And, uh, again, thank you so much, all of you, for for having me. Look at this lineup here. Look at Big Blue Avenue, North Pole, and the Classic Review and Preview. You guys are growing, man. I love to see it. We have a basketball show on the way as well. Ooh, okay. Yeah. All right. I like that's that. Gonna, right. That's
1: going to be hosted by paul lombardi he's gonna be joining the team and that's gonna be a lot of fun so we're gonna mix that in um don't don't yeah and um remember big blue avenue tomorrow night wednesday 7 to 9 p.m raven superfan caitlin mccarthy will be back on the show she was great last week on the north pole she's gonna be on big blue avenue which is wednesday 7 to 9 this week because hank and i are going to move it a day up instead of doing it on Christmas Eve. She's going to talk all things Ravens. Make sure to go check her out at the Kicking Off with Caitlin podcast. Very clever name. Very and then Friday we have a Christmas Day special with Gabe Flayton hosting the North Pole following the conclusion of the Saints Vikings Christmas Day game. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And Kyle, thanks again for helping me make this graphic. He definitely uh, it <laughs> took it took us a while, but we got it done. Absolutely. All right, guys, on behalf of Fonz the Falco, Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, wishing you all a good evening. You've been watching review and preview here on Facebook Live. Everyone, have a good night.